0: Welcome to the Mortal Realms. It's our there An Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. In this episode, we cover Nagash, Undying King by Josh Reynolds. Nurgle's Order of the Fly invades Shyish in order to strike Nagash while he he's weakest. And your allies through the realm gate this episode are...
1: I'm Davey. I've been taking a little bit easy lately, uh, It's just because I think less Tark is more Tark sometimes.
2: Uh, that one caught me off guard. Uh, I'm, I'm Aaron, and uh, I've never read a book as fast as I've ever read this one before.
3: And my name is Paul, and I can hardly believe I got this book finished.
2: And I am Eric,
0: Fred Man Walking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is where I read the in-this-episode part, but I switched it to the beginning part. So now, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing doing great.
2: I'm doing real good.
0: We thought we'd start this episode earlier tonight, but that didn't work out. So we're a little punchy. (laughs) We're a little silly. Um, And uh, we're we're excited to be recording tonight. Um, We're going to spend a little bit of time, before we dive into the book, talking a little bit about Adepticon, because half of us were able to go, and the other half
2: are the worst half
1: super awesome.
0: suckers cuz we know what suckers are like anyway so paul yeah. yeah how did you like adepticon
3: it was amazing
0: cool let's sounds get into the book sounds
3: good
0: <laughs> <laughs> now paul how many times have you been to adepticon
3: eight or nine i can't remember
0: unreliable source then Maybe it's one.
3: Oh, I've always been an unreliable source. It's more than ah. one. People know me. I don't know if you know this, but people know me.
0: People know you on the internet. I have been there equal to one times. Uh, this is my first time. Uh, I'd heard good things. You guys have all heard good things. It's the largest miniatures convention in the world. I think last year they had about uh, 4,000 people. I don't know what the final attendance was this year um there were uh for our like what we're interested in i think there were what one two three four five aos events two vanguard events a narrative event run by paul here a doubles event and then the two-day championship two thousand points mm-hmm. um uh paul you showed up the earliest when did you get there
3: i got there wednesday morning right around noon
0: and what was going on right around noon
3: paint us a uh, picture so
4: was it cloudy to hotel,
3: <laughs> walk into the convention space and there's a uh, bright sunlight streaming through the windows uh, sure, yeah. sure. Just lights this perfect picture how you warm tables. was it it was about 40 degrees okay cool. <laughs> and it was about 40 degrees in the convention hall because we actually moved rooms this year so we were in a big cement hall instead of a smaller carpeted area uh, and you walk in and there's just row after row after row after row of table and sitting at the end is Domus and we spent the morning uh, slash afternoon setting up all the tables for the AOS championships. So they start out doing a, a smaller number for the Vanguard and then they gradually add to them as the weekend goes on. So you've got more tables for the team tournament and then more tables for the AOS championship itself. Uh, So I walked in, and uh, Domus was there, uh, and then Mitzi and Jimbo came down, started out hanging out, having a great time, Um, and then we all went to the hotel bar, because we couldn't be bothered to do anything else at that point, once the tables had been set up, Uh, and then we were going to go wait in line for registration, but then we decided we'd rather drink a little bit longer, so then we ended up standing in line for the studio preview. And so I got to sit in the second row with Mitzi and Jimbo to my left and Vince Venturella and Tom Lyons to my right. Um, So we got to watch that G.W. preview video in person and that was just absolutely incredibly amazing. Probably the highlight would be watching the sisters video, all the comments filtering in and nobody knew that it was gonna be a sisters video at the start. And then as soon as they started talking about girls and that I want sisters, I look over at Vince and I just see this huge, silly smile on his face. And then he just like relaxes completely into his chair, as in, like, finally, I'm going to get what I want. So uh, that was amazing. Um, and then uh, Thursday was the Thousand Point Vanguard event. I played in that, did okay. Uh, and then, well, real I quick, ended up, Aaron,
0: you know, what were you doing Wednesday night during this say. announcement?
2: Oh, I was having a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, no, we were. I was playing all sorts of games, and
0: uh... you yeah. and I were hanging out. Waiting, oh yeah, waiting for the announcements to peel over into yeah, the like, community like, page. I'm, I was trying to make. Like I was you
2: trying. Just, to, I was trying to make it more exciting, man. No, Come on.
0: No, <laughs> we were like the only like exciting for us would have been like spiking our peach tea <laughs> while we're relaxing the, you know, on the deck. Cheers.
2: I filed, I like, a, a, a Stormcast, okay. I think, so I mean, it was productive. <laughs> All right,
0: continue, Paul.
3: Uh, Thursday was the morning Vanguard, and then we had the narrative event in the afternoon. Um, so that was a pretty, pretty awesome time. I was really nervous going into it because I've never run a narrative event with my own scenario, everything from scratch. Uh, we ended up having a central table where everybody put a battle line unit that was going to represent their hero for the rest of the, the afternoon. We fought a battle against witch elves and every hero or every battle line model, excuse me, was killed and then was raised. They got kicked out of the gibbering dome and then every character, according to their own story. um, Basically toured the world and built up an army in order to come back and to recover what was taken from them in the gibbering dome. So there was a more substantial battle. That was kind of the focus of the actual straight up AOS where they started in the beginning, the entrance of the gibbering Dome, and fought their way into the center hall. There were some special rules regarding that. So for anything that flew on a four plus, they took a mortal wound. Uh, Chuck Moore was gracious enough to allow us to fight with his uh, Daughters of Cain army. So the four plus for flying was due to the canary that were flying in the ceiling. So you didn't want to fly up too high otherwise you might take some damage um if you shot anything over 18 inches you were going to take a shot on a four plus from the Malusi that were defending their prey uh their righteous kills that they were looking to turn into statue and then on a four plus if you did a wound of three three or more to a model you took some damage from the hags for taking their blood their blood sacrifice Um, There were also a couple other small special rules. We had a sworn protector rule where you could ally with another model that gave you a plus one to your armor save, or excuse me, plus one to your save. You had to use the lowest movement and the highest bravery. Uh, But the rule that caused the most interesting um, stories and really kind of made it happen was I didn't want everybody to run through the halls too quickly and make it to the center. It was a four hour event. So I wanted to make it worth the four hours. So every unit that was put on the board On a four-plus, they were required to later in the turn move and then charge the nearest non-friendly unit. So if you allied yourself to another model, you were welcome to do that. You gained that plus one save, and that specific hero that you allied yourself to was considered a friendly model, but their army was not. So there was a lot of back and forth uh, attacking from model to model and winnowing down those armies. Um, The four-plus was in there to reflect the fact that the gibbering dome was steeped in blood magic so the event was basically made to create a narrative it wasn't to create a um we're gonna fight to the death and whoever killed the most things wins it's your battle line model that becomes your hero is the story and you need to get your hero to the center of the building and recover that item and in order to facilitate that if your hero died they got brought back If they had a sworn protector, they would have to attack and try to kill the protector that failed to protect them. If not, they were allowed to place their model anywhere on the board and take revenge on any model they wanted to. At the end of the game, that allowed us to move everybody back to the center of the board to try and recover their item that was at the top of the temple in the center of the dome. We had one of the players who decided that he was going to ally with the Daughters of Cain instead of the other players at his table. So his hero was allowed to run up and grab their item. And then his hero, we talked it over and was allowed to spawn a greater demon of Nurgle. So the players had to fight their way up the stairs through hordes of daughters of Cain models, um, specifically witch elves. And then at the top there was a huge uh greater demon of Nurgle. And if their hero was able to recover their item, they won the game. There was no battle points or anything else that made a difference. And it was really interesting and really fun watching everybody play out that narrative. Um, it ended up being a really good time. I was really stressed about it, but it turned out to be a lot of fun. Uh, and I got a lot of good feedback on it. So it was a cool time.
2: Nothing to stress about. Everybody knew you were going to do great. <laughs> except, <laughs> for, except for Davey. <laughs> Davey
0: did, you, did Davey doubt him?
2: <laughs> no. The doubts. In- can't In def- can't defend himself. Yeah.
0: Oh that's that's cool, man. Yeah first, first narrative number. event at Acon? Right. Uh, that's
3: that's the first one I believe for an AOS. There was actually a narrative event that was running for eighth edition and I think it kinda carried over.
4: Uh Correct. but
3: uh, it didn't show up on the schedule this year, and I don't remember seeing it next year last year. So I figured was, it
0: was I figured if you'd dare eight or nine years, you would know historically definitively
1: uh huh. But maybe not. Paul doesn't remember what happened yesterday, so unreliable
4: <laughs> source. Uh,
3: <laughs> so then, on Friday, I took a day off, took the painting classes, took on the Duncan in the morning, which was awesome on metallics. Took one on Vince in the afternoon, which was amazing. Um, it was just a great time, kind of my day off because I know if I play Thursday, Friday, Saturday for AOS, Saturday, Sunday for AOS, I just complete get completely burned out. Yeah, um, I got uh,
0: there on Friday morning.
3: Yep, you got that on Friday morning.
0: Um, I took, I didn't, I did, scheduled nothing for Friday. I just wanted to be able to like have kind time. Kind
2: of, of lazy. Well, a, little I, bit, a little
0: bit. I, so I had two things I had to do. One, <laughs> I had to meet everybody I could possibly meet that I'd never met before except for on the tweets. Sure. And then I had to pa- make sure I passed out the like six sets of tokens and dice. And so I like I thought I might have to do a lot of running around and like finding people where they might be if they weren't playing the event if they're somewhere else.
2: But they lined up for you instead because they got to get their hands on those sweet, sweet <laughs> dice. I mean, they had a booth set up. There was a big
3: sign and everything. He was just standing there. Everybody was just lining up to get his autograph on their Mortal Realms. There, the shirts. It was. It was amazing. It was weird. It,
0: yeah, I didn't did I even. Realms. I didn't even bring a booth, and there was one. <laughs> Sure. I didn't even schedule myself to be part of the, the
2: exposition, that's but I was. New idea. We should sign dice. Like, that's that's a moneymaker right there.
0: <laughs> There's only four of us. There'd be two blank sides. Sure. Dibs on six.
3: I was just going to sign on the, in the M. One of us would sign an M on each of them, and on a pack of eight, you get two signatures, right?
0: You only get one A, though, Aaron. That's not... Come on, man. <laughs> a- that's, a- that,
2: that, that's not that's not me. That's not how I do. Budget constraints. But, all of each time. Tell me more about Adept Account.
0: But obviously it was uh, it was cool meeting everybody. There was a huge uh, couple of things that surprised me. One, there was a much bigger UK contingent than I expected. Oh my god,
3: there's um, so many people.
0: I knew that I knew that uh, you know Mitzi and and uh, Jimbo9 Jimbo were coming. Um, I knew that uh, I think we'd heard that the face hammer guys were coming. I wasn't sure that you you know there's some of the um, heel and hammer guys uh, were coming, including um, uh, Hobby Killer. Um, and, you they're, think they're, and They're then, trying to
2: reconquer us, maybe. Um, I, that's what it was. was a I, British invasion. It, it absolutely was. Re- they were kind re- of recolonization. To all the metals. Sure. Right on. Metals. Well, I'm glad you guys fought them off. It, Continue.
0: It was definitely more of a colonization than a, a Beatles thing. <laughs> I mean, British Invasion, it would have been cooler if it was a Beatles thing, but I was okay with it as it was.
4: So Sh- are
3: Sh- Sh- Furies Wait. Beatles? Because Mitzi brought Flitter Furies, so that would kind of count as the Beatles Invasion?
0: That's not what we're talking about.
3: Oh, sorry. <laughs> about kind of Beatles.
1: Paul's, Paul's uh, rampant Anglophilia though, he was probably screaming like those crowds. Oh my Beatles, goodness. Like, it uh, was amazing. It was fantastic. It, like,
3: I was giving hugs out left and right.
0: Here's the other crazy thing. Um... There were – it's the team tournament. There were eight teams from Milwaukee, which what? is an hour and 45 minutes to our east.
2: I can see Milwaukee from what? my house.
3: An
1: hour and 45 minutes to drive to Milwaukee.
3: <laughs> yeah. Who takes an hour and 45 minutes to drive to Milwaukee? I guess
1: I usually go downtown. Yeah. <laughs> so – What about Milwaukee?
0: So about there was like there was like a ton of people coming from the Milwaukee, Milwaukee scene. Uh-huh. Uh, and I felt a little bit like one – This, our scene's been kind of growing ish, right? Here in Madison, the stores are kind of competing a little bit more for people. Uh, you know, a little more, there's more turnout each week, more games being played each week. Um, but like, I haven't heard much from Milwaukee, and that's just because we're just not as connected as we were back in the WWHFB days. You rolled (laughs) up, yeah, (laughs) WWHFB.com days, uh, bulletin board days. Um, but they're just I guess they're cruising over there and there's a, a, a tournament happening in a couple of weeks, right?
4: Yeah, April twenty eighth and
3: Boom, that's me, I'm a chump, yay. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll <laughs> that <later. laughs> so that was that was int- interesting though, because I got to meet a, a number of uh, Milwaukee guys that I, I you know I've not been over there in a long time for
4: Yeah.
0: I don't think I've been over there for but when we had mayhem here in town, a lot of them would come over this way. So
4: yeah, it was uh, very cool. Huge.
3: huge shout out to heath ryan because uh, he seems to be kind of the focus that everybody's kind of rallying around he's uh an awesome guy he played in the narrative he played in the teams um he was handing out coffee to everyone at the depticon (laughs) and the championships um he's just a great guy a great player um and really is a great focus uh especially during the narrative event he went out of his way to make sure that everybody was playing the game enjoying themselves um and there was really not a strong milwaukee community well I'll take that back. There was a strong Milwaukee community before AOS, but uh, when AOS dropped, we lost a lot of the old regulars and Heath has really done a great job of introducing those new regulars onto the scene and getting them into the tournaments and stuff. I think this was the first one he was actually able to go to. Um, So it was awesome. It was a lot of fun to watch all these guys coming out and hanging out.
0: It sounds like the, the story I heard was that a couple of them showed up last year at Adepticon. And uh, Domus and Relian and a few others really kind of welcomed them in, uh, you know, got them encouraged. Uh, some of the other Milwaukee people, it's just stopped down, like for Acon to see things or whatever. Yep. And they got so excited in jazz that this year they decided to come in full force. So uh, yep. we've got to figure out how to make, uh, well, and while down there, I did see quite a few um, Madison crew, um, a couple, one of the mats from uh, the, the warhammer store um mm-hmm. uh, a few other people that i'd kind of known but didn't i don't know them well um and i know there's uh you know mitchy and a few of the the 40k players uh were yeah. down i didn't see get to see them down there but i got a text with them afterwards and say, they said they had a really great time so Ken,
2: kenny was there too right
0: yeah, Ken, oh, you know, yeah. kenny
2: was, there? was absolutely there he was the
0: and he's everywhere he's always he there and everywhere excited. so uh, <laughs> I well, fresh I can, he's, kenny. he's
2: just in the other room right now so he's,
0: he's just so right nice
2: <laughs> everywhere
0: um but yeah so madison there's there was a you know a handful of Madison crew in the AdeptCon kind of as a whole it'd be awesome to to uh, go full force for AOS um but then we got uh to championship on uh Saturday uh so that was five games over two days um two thousand points two hour and 45 minute rounds I was dead worried leading up to Acon that I was gonna accidentally dead. slow pay
2: dead worried though.
0: Slow play the uh, the heck out of my army, and so I was I was pretty nervous. I was I don't think I changed like lists so many times uh, leading up to an event. Um, once I had it down though, I didn't change it after I got there, um, like some people did. Tom <laughs> Lyons, um,
3: he changes Paul, all the time. Or Paul Wagner, I didn't change my list.
2: You just, had
1: no, what what you
2: just yeah, had no idea
3: what it was. You just didn't know.
2: had no idea. If there's no list, is it really changing it? Yeah. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. I knew what the models were going to be
3: on the table. I just didn't know
2: what rules I was going to <laughs> you didn't use. Know what they
1: were <laughs> be and you still don't, so, from what I, from what no, I. No, no, I,
3: no. I don't.
1: You don't remember.
3: Yeah. Unbeknownst to Alex, I ran my own five-game narrative event championships.
0: <laughs> so, uh, but that was cool. I mean, I had, um, I had five really cool games. Uh, was in my fifth game. I was able to play somebody who used to live in Madison that uh, transferred, uh, moved uh, for work down to Illinois. So it was cool seeing him. Um, I got to play a huge variety of Army, and I didn't hit Zinch or Stormcast a single time, which is probably why I made it as high at tables as I did. (laughs) Otherwise, I would have been pretty low, I think.
4: Nice. Now, up, up.
3: Yeah, I ended up uh, being able to play Zach from Milwaukee, Alex from Minneapolis. Alex, Um, what's up, buddy? Yep, and uh, there is also I believe his name was Steve, but I'm probably getting it wrong from uh, near the like Ottawa a, region. He sounds
2: like a Steve. Yeah.
3: yeah, he's about an hour outside of Ottawa, but he was he was a lot of fun to play with. Um, and uh, then I, on the second day, I ended up playing um, Phil from Milwaukee, and then my last game was against Mike Ballard, who was actually my fourth or fifth round opponent last year at Adaptive. So All right, cool. Well, not from Stevens Point. He's from another area, so. I don't know. There's two of them, which is the weirdest thing in the world. I'm like, there's no way Mike Ballet is playing. Oh, right. There's a different Mike Ballard. <laughs> so yeah, no, it was amazing. Everybody, uh, my first game against Zach was he had Zifflin clown car and I didn't have much chance with my list. Uh, he got first turn and then he got priority. Uh, but he was willing to do some narrative shenanigans with me after, uh, the game was kind of decided. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I have one really brave Grot with a yellow, uh, handkerchief on his head and one of my gun haulers, developed quite a big ego as well. So that was pretty fun. Second game um, really pushed the narrative a lot. And we started just giving out wounds every time the boats blew up and it wasn't in the spirit of the tournament, but it was great. Um, And Alex was right along there with me taking wounds on his models as well. So that was a lot of fun. My third game against Steve, I was a little bit closer. So we didn't add any narrative rules in. We just had a good time. And then my fourth game against uh, Phil, he was just going full on in the narrative with me, so we did the exploding boat, and then he decided he needed to have a narrative rule where his dreaded Saurian was acting like a big dog and going after all the balls of the engines in my army, and then running after his Slan to try and return it, but that he was Slan was using his teleport to get him away because he didn't want to be mauled at. So it was it was good times. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I did not get last, but by,
2: by which, in a way, is a, is a victory.
3: At the winning, like, completely. Considering that I literally won no games and no one else at the tournament didn't win a game, I considered it a victory that, that, that I did difficult not difficult to honest.
1: believe, but it's <laughs> possible.
3: Like, ser- all right, so and
1: nobody else went 0-5? Like-
3: nobody else went 0-5. Everybody got a game. I don't know. At least that's what the score set when I read it. So maybe sure. the double, the, the secondary was in one place and the tertiary was in a different, and that got added up. So that's possible, uh, but...
2: We'll, um, we'll, crunch, we'll crunch those numbers, uh, no. Paul. I just want you to know that, like, that makes me feel kind of bad because at Mary Mayhem in like 2014, maybe mm-hmm. you beat you beat me in an eighth, and so like, like a transitive <laughs> property, that means I got no wins in to Count this year, which is kind of mm-hmm. that's kind of no. You're. Sorry,
1: Aaron, you win but, all the games you never play. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Wayne Gretzky said <laughs> that. Jordan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although Paul uh, is way better in eighth sure i
3: was way better than I was winning tournaments not gonna bottom but legitimately my dice were just terrible i was i didn't set out to play five narrative games i set out to do well at the tournament but i wasn't remembering rules my dice were terrible yeah i don't think you can blame your yeah. dice if
1: you don't remember any of the rules of your army
3: well but hold on
1: no 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 i, have... I don't i do not want dice stories like yeah, let me be no, right. perfectly clear about something here
3: all right tom, tom
2: i sec. I'm i like second that perfectly yeah. um guys give me give me the, give me some the biggest highlight of Depticon.
3: I have four. No, that's okay. Oh, well, one—that's how biggest works. <laughs>
2: right,
3: I gotta think about it for a while. Then give me a second to do this. All right, All All right. right. Okay, uh, well,
0: my, Mine it. was one hundred percent. The community that showed up, um, like, so we've—I've been to Wapaca, I've been to Mayhem, I've been to Havoc a couple of times. And Be careful what you say. There's always a lot of fun. I mean, there's and the people are always great. This felt like. Yeah like family that hadn't seen each other in a long time. Like it felt like a family reunion uh, and everyone's playing the same game, um, you know, which, which just, I don't know. It just seems like it, everyone was just, uh, I don't know whether that's just because of the size of it. You get so many more people there and it's, it's just, just bigger feeling, or if it was just that so many people coming from different areas, right. They're not just your back, you know, the people that you see all the time at events or kind of your, your backyard our crew i guess i don't know um
1: i also say this is that that feeling you know so when i just dropped in on Paca this year i had that feeling just walking in the door yeah uh, talking to people through i think it's some of it's just like you know the more of these events you go to the more that builds so i not, think the yeah. more and more now all of a sudden you walk in and you know domus you have played domus a bunch of times or you know a, a couple times now you know like they're they're just all yep. of a sudden you you've, you've built up some history with some folks so Uh, I'm not uh, discounting the awesome atmosphere that Adepticon brings, but I think also as you get more events under your belt, you'll feel that feeling more and more and it'll be less dependent on. That's a lot of what people are excited about going to Wapaka for, you know? Absolutely. I
0: I agree with you. And that's, I think this may have been the first place. I I mean, maybe when I went to Paka, I was kind of new to going to events Exactly. Uh, when we went to Havoc, you know, that definitely felt more. We've been there twice and some of those same people. Um, This was a, a you know, confluence of all the people we've been talking to, uh, on Twitter for the last three years. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, just a lot of people that were just like open to like those friendships. So yeah, I think you're right. It's just uh, time in the community. So for me, this was kind of a, an apex of, of time in the community and, and, uh, you know, that felt really good to me and I'm excited yet yeah, to go to more events and feel more of that love.
2: Oh, Awesome. I want to hear your, your highlight, but I just want to warn you that, like, if you don't also say the community, you're going to seem like a big jerk. Go. Well, <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, like, first and foremost, like, Mitzi and Jimbo, I basically spent the entire weekend with them. They were amazing guys, refused to let me buy a drink, wouldn't take my drinks, nothing.
1: Tried to Had ditch such you. An amazing <laughs> that. They
3: tried to ditch me. I, they didn't yell when I came and found them. It was just, it was fantastic. Um, obviously, the Facehammer guys were amazing. Talking to Les and Byron and Russ, and just Terry, it was fantastic. They were all so open, willing to talk with everybody, talk about their armies, talk about the gaming, talk about the podcast, anything you could want to. Rolling Bad guys showed up with Elric and uh, James, and then we had guys from Frontline Gaming show up with, you know, Andrew Sever was there, and then Scott Reed, who runs LVO. It was just, it was, as Eric was saying, it's such a confluence of people.
2: How do you remember Ohio. all those names? I don't remember your guys' names.
3: So actually that's one of my funny stories. I wasn't gonna use reference. So Andy Avery is a player from the uh the Britain and he doesn't play OS right now, but he got talked into it this weekend. And he literally just kept asking me over and so over. Like, Are you British? And I was like, No. And it's like you wish How though. do you know all this stuff? And I was like, Well, I just follow Twitter. I you know, I follow and uh Tunnel No, right
1: on. Come on, I'm
2: admit that you're like in. a raging anglophile like
3: i am a raging anglophile however
2: that that accent was like a huge insult and they're not going to want to hang out with (laughs) you anymore
3: i don't know they i did it all the time i was talking to them i'm sure Uh, you did uh warp tunneler uh on twitter was there as well andy and um it's a funny story because he's like i was like who are you and he's like i'm introducing myself i'm paul pj shard on twitter he's like i'm andy and i was like what's your name you know on twitter and he's like yeah and he's like what's your name he's like it's a war war and i'm like oh you're warp tunneler. and he was like how did you know that? And Mitchie's like, he's a Twitter stalker. And I'm like,
4: yeah,
3: that's Twitter. <laughs> uh, spade to spade. So,
0: well, I think, I think everybody was in agreement that it would have been more useful for people to just put their Twitter handles on yeah, their absolutely ads, rather than yeah. introducing people by their names. But
3: yeah, that's not the way Acon does it. So no. uh, I do have two quick moments. Uh, I broke it down to two from a four because I already shared the other two. Uh, one of them was I was playing a game. He's getting like around your question, Oh, no,
0: I'm, I,
2: not, I'm doing something else now. I left. I'm
3: gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was on table 75, uh, and uh, one of the Baller boys, I believe, uh, was playing on the table next to me, and I think his mom was there. Um, and he was playing Carriage on Overlords, and I was playing Carriage on Overlords, but with my conversions for the egg uh, Scuttlers. And he, um, his mom looks at my army and looks at her son's army and he tells her son hey, this isn't the same army that you're playing and the son's like no mom it's it's the same models he just converted them so they look different she looks at my army again
2: parents just looks don't understand at his army,
3: and she Things was like no it's not the same army it's a completely different army and the son's like no mom he just he changed them so much that you don't recognize them and she looks back at the army and she's like looks at her son i don't believe you And that was just such a gratifying moment that, like, somebody could walk in and look at my army and be like, no, it's been converted to the point where you don't even recognize it's the same force.
1: Paul Wagner fooled somebody's mom. (laughs) Exactly. I fooled somebody's mom.
3: It was awesome. Hi, mom. Just also a big shout out to my opponents. All five of them said that they just had an amazing time. Uh, Really appreciated playing a game against me. Um, Kind of a humble break there. Yeah. That Well, but it leads up to the second story, which really made the weekend for me. Mitzi and Dibble were awesome. Facehammer guys were awesome. Everybody was awesome. I
1: already said uh, that. Keep going.
3: I, I did. I'm just recapping, making sure everybody gets covered. Uh, I was walking in the hallway, and a player that played me last year came up to me and was just, so he was like, you know what? I've been telling stories about our game. I had such an amazing time. Like, I've been telling stories for a year. And I was like, wow, I'm blown away that you, like, came and found me and told me about that. Right. That was awesome. And then another player, uh, Jason Vargas, who plays with Herner, uh, he was just sitting down with his kids and took the time to like tell me that, you know, that game we played four years ago, I still talk to people about that game. It was so good. I had such an amazing time. It was such a great game.
2: Did you and, did you lie to those guys too and tell them that you also tell stories about those games? Like, that's I the only thing to
3: do. I, I did. I did totally. Uh, <laughs> and um, this year at ACON, last year at ACON, I was really lucky, really fortunate, won a ton of awards, won a ton of like, just like really special recognition. Uh, this year I didn't win any of that, but I tell you, those two people coming up to me and telling me about how much they enjoyed our games, and even years after, like, it's like, I don't care what I win, right? Like, I've already won. Like, this is just such an amazing experience. And that's an experience that community can give you, even when you lose all five games and you win no games, right? Like, you can be walking around having the worst dice, worst tournament performance, and people like that can really just make your weekend. And everyone that I met didn't care to have a conversation about this terrible thing or this bad thing. All they wanted to do was just hang out, talk Warhammer and have a great time. And man, when you're in a venue with over 250 AOS players, whose entire goal is just to hang out with all the other awesome AOS players that you're with, it's impossible to have a bad time. So it was just absolutely amazing. I thought last year was gonna be the peak. This year was even better. I mean, and including GW employees. Well,
0: what was different about that? Last year. Last
3: year from this year. Yeah. Uh, well, I missed Ben Johnson from last year. That was amazing. Answer. Oh yeah. Answer. I see. I'm sorry. I didn't see the loaded answer here going
1: on. My apologies. <laughs> I you was. Asking a question, it's a loaded question. Come on. <laughs> um, no, and, Paul, sorry. I just want you.
2: I just want you to know that that game that I talked the merry man game in like 2014 that we played, it was fine. I guess. I don't know. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah so there's, it was there's a
1: balance
2: there that's i don't think we've ever played so uh... <laughs>
3: no no he's never played he's never you play? never played
1: oh. no
0: <laughs> oh man uh, i'll Bob. agree i i uh you know it's you know when we go to havoc when we go to the other places there's always great players and and saw some of those friends there as well and I had a great game. I had a couple of Jacobs that I played in round 1 and round 3 from the
1: the Nashville contingent. That wasn't their name. Right. Like, Jacob is a term we use around here for like <laughs> people who are gross. from Nashville. A couple of Jacobs. <laughs> a real real Jacob I was playing over there on that table. Yeah. <laughs> Play
3: that uh, David Jacob guy.
0: Yeah. So uh, that was that was cool. Um, David Griffin and the Nashville uh, crew just also a really fun
1: Kale Thompson, probably.
3: Uh, I don't didn't know have, that I met Kale. Didn't he have a theme song?
0: Uh, so he, so he played a, he created a theme song for everybody that he was matched up against, or found a theme song. He didn't make the song.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: He, he found it on a playlist. <laughs> he bought the song, and so he played a Thriller every time I was uh, setting up a unit, nice. or it was my turn, and so then, uh, and then it, we had to, we had to get into dancing, and uh, so we had a lot of fun. That was the first game, first day um it was fun and then uh domus was one of my opponents who uh, domus uh james Hyde.
2: Oh, my. Oh, my. Don't, don't, don't tell me his name like i don't want to know what his real name is at got he got three <laughs> names
0: dude has three names um i played uh, a gentleman from toronto named mile who had uh Ziflin, and i confounded him with my ambush was the only he tabled he cleared every model except one of mine, but yeah, I I you scored more, more points.
2: Second like in, in Toronto. Continue.
0: Toronto,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Toronto, oh. um,
0: and then uh, I played uh, uh, Matthew Surgent, who was I mentioned was in Madison some time ago, and then well, yeah, so yeah, a lot of good games though, and and uh, where I was worried about not you know getting through games fast enough and long deployment uh, managed to hit. Round five for I think four of the games and round four for one of the games. So that's,
1: that's actually really good.
0: Yeah. So I knew the I didn't forget didn't forget any rules. Yeah, There's a good. lot of rules in the Legion of uh, Legion what of Blood. Was oh. I was playing. yeah, whatever it was I playing, uh, Legion of that. Um, so it, yeah, I felt pretty good about it. Well, I ended up twenty eighth out of one hundred and sixty four. I submarined the heck out of that thing.
4: I For
3: submarine, but then I just kept diving. I didn't come <laughs> <Yeah>. off air. <rare. laughs>
1: that's that's called uh, stoning. Journey to the center <laughs> of the earth. Is that what, yeah. what Paul was doing?
3: That's exactly right. I made it there. It was fantastic.
0: <laughs> What's the name of the? Is that the Nautilus that went down uh, to the center of the earth?
3: Mm, or is twenty thousand
0: leagues? Yeah. All right. Anyway.
3: Uh, yeah. Going back amazing. next year, Paul. Oh, absolutely. Everybody talking to people about it.
0: Yeah, 100%. Uh-huh. And uh, by the way, uh-huh. Davey and Aaron, also going next year. You heard it here from
2: everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm busy that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what big of that is. Come I got to wash my hair.
3: There is a the Shadesfire Grand Clash as well, which was amazing, run by Pete Foley and Dave from the Rules team and then James as well. Like, another big shout-out to the community team and the Rules writers and everybody that came over from GW, right? Like, yeah. I think a lot of this community that we have, a lot of it is from them coming over last year and showing us that they're just normal gamers like we are, right? They're writing the rules. They're playing the games. but um, I wouldn't especially... call you a normal
2: gamer, but anyways, yeah. continue. Yeah. Like...
3: You're right. You're right. Uh, Duncan especially was teaching something like 17 painting classes over the weekend
4: for oh, wow. like an hour and a
3: half each time. He was just the only person I've ever seen where they just looked at his schedule and said, "You're this is your room. You get this room the whole weekend because Nobody else is going to have time to be in there because you are just being so intensely amazing the whole time. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just fantastic. Warhammer um, TV, Dan P Foley, like so many people that like took the time to have conversations, Adam Hall. It, it like, it's one thing to talk to people that are gamers that are really having their time to be able to walk around, have some time off. But when people are literally on the stream the whole time, have like maybe 20 minutes to talk. And I'm willing to have a 10 minute conversation with you. That's, that's pretty amazing and an awesome time. And I think that really helped uh, the atmosphere to begin with. So, all
0: right, let's, uh, let's spend the year getting excited for next year and, uh, any events in between. All right. What should we do now?
3: Uh, I don't know. i we done. I'm real sleepy. hay. or you might go to eternal slumber, huh?
2: No, man. What? That's I mean, morbid?
1: Undying, to, to.
3: Morbid? <laughs> oh, Davey's like, playing. I okay, think it's more undying, undying.
2: Let's do this.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Let's uh, uncover the Undying King. All
2: right. Une- Unearth the Undying King?
3: All right. So I'm going to go ahead and read the bit now. Do it. Since the dark days of the Great Awakening... The scattered remnants of humanity have clung to a bleak existence, surviving howsoever they can, no matter what the cost. Tamra, a voivode of the Rectus clans, fights one last desperate battle for the survival of her tribe, the Drac. Now her people face the most relentless enemy ever, the lumbering minions of the plague god. Where is their lord Nagash, the undying king, when his people need him most? As the gods and their servants vie for power in the mortal realms, Tamra is drawn into a deadly game between life and death, as beings long thought gone start to exert their powers
2: once again. Spooky scary. All right,
0: so first thing we're going to do is spoiler-free time. Spoiler-free! If you haven't read the book yet, you can listen to this part, get a little sense of it. We'll give you our our kind of uh, uh, feelings on it overall. Then yeah. we'll let you know before we get into the spoilers so you can pause, go read it, finish it up, and then start. just, just yeah, real I'll quick,
2: like, just thumb like, right through
4: it.
3: I'll be like, Scott, read, stop right now, come back, and like, you know, when you finish the
2: book. It'll be <laughs> sure, awesome. like 20, 30 minutes probably. Yeah. So, when does this take place? Aaron? <laughs> um, okay, last I checked, we came to an agreement. I th- I'm fairly certain it's the Age of Chaos, right? I think what? so. Smack dab wow. in that age of chaos. And uh, for those, I, who- oh, I feel like
1: it may be relatively early in the age of chaos. Like, I think so. Like, uh, you know, the chaos arriving, and I don't know, like that. You, you can place it where it, they are not yet triumphant. They're they're kind of storming through the realm. But sure. Sure, 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 sure. So just
3: for those of us who aren't completely with the picture, this is a historical fantasy <laughs> novel. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Very, we've we've, met, we've been the age of myth and. Etc. But this is going back in time. Is it's that basically
2: right? a history book. Yeah, they study this in uh, in uh, the Age of Sigmar like high schools. Excelsis High. <laughs> Excelsis high. <laughs> it. Coming out on Warhammer TV. <laughs> get ready. Um, it's and so tough. I get. So I think this is maybe one of the only, if not the only, story that we got like in the Age of Chaos. I guess maybe it was Pantheon, Chaos, or Myth. Whatever. At any rate, it's one of the only ones. Um, so. It's, it's something that's oft talked about, um, especially in the Age of Sigmar, sort of looking backwards, like Sigmar is very much the reaction to the Age of Chaos. And so it's nice to actually get a glimpse, get a sense of, you know, a small picture, but what was going on back there. Um, it, is this comparable to like the Horus Heresy sort of thing? I never read any of the 40K stuff, but like. I
4: base
3: on, based on reading the Horus Heresy, at least the couple, first couple of books, this is not quite comparable. Okay. Um, Horus Heresy seems well, to be more titans in. striding the world mm-hmm. and causing this whole, like it was pre-Civil War, post-Civil War. Gotcha, right? gotcha. So Age of Chaos is more of like unspoiled Eden moving onward. So it's not that transition period. To me it seems to be centered into one of the ages. Okay. Uh, so, it's, so it's
2: historical context at the very least. Oh.
3: Yeah. It, in a broadly very narrative sense, it's not quite a, quite set of the same setting.
2: Sure, sure and uh this particular like it, they reference this this event prior to this novel is this uh battle of the black skies so um whether it's the age of myth or like one of the you know the thresholds between myth and chaos is this battle that occurred between chaos in and the undead in 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 shyish and basically it's where uh, nagash got his face stomped in maybe even literally like i think they got him in the face um, yeah
1: literally yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, in Battle Tome ever chosen, I think.
2: Sure, uh, quite possibly, and I think they talk a little bit about it in Legion, Legions of Nagash as well. But point is, is we're seeing the the ramifications of that. We're seeing the effects of that transition. You know, that crossover from Age of Myth to the Age of Chaos, and sort of it sets the stage of uh, the setting of Shaiish um, well, in this age. One of
0: the big mythos in the Rumgate Wars in um, the you know, Age of Myth is the Pantheon. And we we keep hearing the story over and over of you know the Pantheon being everybody against chaos, and that Nagash betrayed the Pantheon, letting chaos in, which broke things. And then uh, Sigmar gets upset, chases Nagash all over, ends up losing Gamraz and retreating back to Azir. Um, and then this it seems like this was this is taking place after the first w- butt whooping by. Archeon, right true, yeah so he's somehow maybe right after that betrayal um uh we get Archeon kicking nagash's butt and nagash is in a
1: weakened state True, true uh, yeah flash dead yeah yeah
2: <laughs> yeah um i think that that's that's when Let's do you want to talk about where which i think we've already alluded to um we're we're predominantly dealing in shaiish. and by predominantly i mean exclusively Oh, um, shaiish your mouth yeah you you know it son um so uh <laughs> as we all know the realms are almost infinite but specifically when we're dealing in the realm of death i think the story is going to take place mostly in this sort of the northern wastes part of this realm mm-hmm. um I mean, for the most part, it's not specifically important. However, it's worth mentioning because this area is relatively remote. Like, it's not the central hub of any sort of civilization, of which there are many in the, the realm of death. Um, but uh, suffice it to say that this we're, we're sort of not even on the outskirts, but we're in the wilderness out there. Um, and it, that plays a little bit into the, the story quite a bit. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about? Realm of Death, pretty pretty standard, bunch of dead people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, as I say, we're kind of in the ruins of uh, a great yeah. kingdom. True. Yeah. Um, it was once unified, um, but that uh, in the age of, I'm assuming in the age of myth, uh, while Nagash, we also hear from the you know, from the malign um stories and some of the background, uh, we hear Nagash uh, going through Shaiish, um, consuming other gods, other gods of death. Uh, we know that sh- you know, and so um, during some of this conquering of Shaiish that Nagash is doing, um, he punishes this this group of of kings, or what is it? The uh, and and so once this one great kingdom becomes scattered,
4: yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and the I'd ruins, say that's kind yeah. of the the setting. There's lots of uh, ruins. There's uh, uh, instead of being a great civilization it's a lot of barbarian tribes um and that's kind of it's it's an interesting and they they have an interesting relationship with the undead
2: true true that's a, it's a good distinction like we're not out in the wilderness per se but rather in the ruins of something that was once great and that kind of uh, informs us a little bit about uh how nagash rules this realm which i reckon we'll, we'll talk about um as cool. well
0: i think there's an interesting parallel too and we, we were talking about um in the beginning, we hear a lot of the saying, um, "Shaiish is Nagash, and Nagash is Shaiish," or "We are Nagash, and Nagash is us." Um, and we're set in a space where the body has been torn asunder and scattered yeah. into ruins. Um, and so, it's, so this the Drak, the the this people are kind of a representation of of where Nagash is at the moment
2: true true hey uh speaking of people let's let's talk about the who's of of this yeah who um uh, we would probably be in trouble if we didn't talk about Nagash first like we eh, it wouldn't look good if we didn't bring him up so he might uh,
3: come and take care of us yeah true true
2: um so Nagash, although omnipresent throughout this book um is by no means a character that we get a lot of perspective from, per se, but it, it, we'd be remiss if we didn't we didn't talk about him. So we talked about how we got into the state that he's in post-Battle uh, of World... Black Skies? Something Black Skies. Black skies. 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 Yeah.
1: Burning Skies is where Gal Maraz is lost, and Black Skies is where Nagash gets his dome crushed.
2: Man, imagine being like a Moral Rums-like Denizen looking up at the sky constantly, being like, what the hell is going
4: on?
0: You know what I would avoid in the future? Maybe a battle word? with the word Skies in it. Yeah. Sure. Avoid... The next battle, anything with skies—it's
4: not going
2: to turn out well like, for you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the guy mentioned the first person who mentions calling it something skies,
2: out. Smote. He's done. He's done. Dude, dude smote. But uh, Nagash—he's—he's he's been beaten. <laughs> got that butt kicked. Um, he's—he's he's a little broken. Um, so much so that like that his Mortarx had Mortrux had to save him. Um, he's not at full strength, both physically and mentally. Like he's not even all there at this point. Um, yeah. But uh, we know that he's, he's basically trying to gather himself back together. Um, he, yeah. he's, he's on the mend, hopefully. Um, that's
0: the, you know, I had a cold a couple of weeks ago. I ex- know exactly what he feels like.
3: Sure, same exact thing. Yeah. I'm know, not really. sure it's hopefully either. I mean, like, he's kind of a bad guy. I don't know if I'm hopefully going to, you
0: know. You, you shut your mouth. But, you know, you like, shut your dirty mouth right I'm now. Just
2: I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Interesting conversation to have later. I, I, I might object to that unnecessarily. Um, but with, with <laughs> Nagash... We also get his 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 classic, his 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 lieutenants, I don't know what you call them. His Mortarks, obviously, is what they are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you call them. I mean, it's like they don't even have a, a name. What would I even use to describe them? Um so somebody th- made up a name.
0: His, sure. org, awesome. his org chart is just question markable.
2: <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, let's just call them Mortarks for the sake of... Uh, good. Just, I like
3: that. That's good. Uh,
2: Less time. Um, because we're dealing uh in, in the story, we're also gonna get a little bit of Neferata. We're gonna, gonna get a little of, of Arcan as well. Um
3: I so, can hardly believe that you forgot Mortark. Uh, I can hardly believe it.
2: Fair enough. Um But the the idea is is there these two are sort of his representatives for this story. Um given that this god is sort of so above quote unquote the story that we're dealing with. Um he needs to have his you know representatives on you know, boots on the ground, sort of sort of thing. And so these two characters sort of are not necessarily standing in for him, but are his reps um, to sort of uh, intercede on behalf of the plot for uh, for Nagash, especially considering he's not necessarily all there. Um, so they're they're doing what doing what they can to protect Nagash, and they're doing what they can to protect the realm without necessarily getting any. I keep saying necessarily uh, without getting any uh, reliable help from them. Um, so they are working. As as autonom- autonomously as one can, uh, when you're in the service of a
0: broken God. So to, to add a little more detail to that, and I th- I think this is okay in this in this in the, the non spoiler space.
4: Sure.
0: Do we want to say where Nagash is and about those gates, or is that something we wait till the spoiler? Uh I
2: was I thinking know. hold off. I was thinking of holding off, but you do you, okay. man. Whatever you think. Uh,
0: no, I think we can hold off to. This keep
2: listening if you'd like oh to. yeah oh, man let's this is like say, a, this is a lost cliff-hanger, yeah. cliffhanger
3: let's just say it's a really interesting relationship that goes on and like mm-hmm. he's a really fascinating character especially for uh what's going on in him right now so i I, I really enjoyed it
2: too true and like i didn't read lord of Un- undeath or any of that other stuff so i don't know how much we dive into like neferata or Arcan. i guess we see a little bit of Arcan in like the audio dramas but um they're in this book enough that you you get a pretty good sense of them if you've never read anything else ab- about them. Um, uh, Absolutely, what we know about Arcan is he's he's loyal through and through. He's Nagash's right hand right hand man, um, and because of that, he's all the more important because with Nagash sort of out of commission to, to some extent, um, folks are going to look to Arcan as sort of a, an authority authority figure, and additionally, sort of maybe on the other side of that same coin, uh, Neferata also is duty bound to serve Nagash, but she has a little bit of a independent streak running through her. I mean, if you know anything about Neferada, you know, she's a, she's a schemer, she's a planner. Um, and that, that comes through in this, this book as well. Um, you better believe that she's got, she's got ulterior motives regardless of, you know, who she serves.
0: I think, yeah. And if, if you definitely want to read this book um, and, or keep listening, if you want to get more about kind of yeah what we're talking about is like who these characters are and what their relationship is to nagash and how in intrinsic they are yeah so it's 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 very interesting i thought i found that to be super
4: interesting about those characters
2: agreed um so those are sort of the major players that you guys know and love um Mm -hmm. another uh Folk that you a uh, person you you may or may not have come across depending on the books that you've read before but we've we've covered a a certain a little book called the spear of shadows oh gosh is that what it's called yeah um what? yeah and there's a there's a there's a callback to that book though i don't know which one was written first actually I call, think this one call this forward one even before yeah no i think this one was written first <laughs> um, we, it, we get a glimpse of uh the the vampire known as edema which which uh, featured relatively heavily in in that book so this is a um vampire i don't know if she has like a, a unit designation but she, she's under.
0: She's a, a castellan and a blood knight
2: you gotcha know. okay so she's under the under the employee or know, under the control of, of mm-hmm. neferata so uh we saw her working a little bit more independently in that other other novel but in this book she's she's um sort of a i don't know a handmaiden to uh neferata so she's she's um working very closely with her uh in this setting and, and we, we see a fair bit of her as well um, she's still just as uh sassy as ever uh, she's oh got goodness. that. Yeah, she's got that, too. Um, but she's she's back as well.
3: Yep. absolutely.
2: All right. So that's a that's a couple of the, the old returning characters. As you might expect, we got a few new new characters as well. Um, We can talk about I don't know. You'd probably call her the main protagonist. We can talk about Tamara, then Drac, yep. uh, who's a new character in the realm of death. So you better believe she's dead.
3: Yeah, she's totally dead
2: just kidding she's totally alive what ah, that wait, oh sense. crap totally don't, that doesn't make any sense um she's uh you know, she's a an alive person i don't know a human being in well, the, in the realm of death.
3: Per, yeah she's more of a free people right? yeah she's, well, not she's a free people
2: no and, she's, and, a and, 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 she's a necromancer sure necromancer. necromancer so i think wow. she probably would show up in the death the grand alliance <laughs> um but she is sort of I mean, all she, lood-
0: she could be a beast wizard of death
2: that's true you can't just rule that out that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying um, but she's a, a leader of her yep. people which are i mean for the most part um alive right so like as you might expect or maybe you don't expect it but there are there are plenty of non-undead uh residents of the, of the realm of death and she's an example of that so she's she's in charge of this clan um of, of human beings that, that uh revere the dead you know respect the dead We're, i don't want to say say worship the dead but work real closely with the dead it would probably be hard not to in the realm of death
0: i mean they and they they are the i mean it's uh in a lot of cultures there's a lot of um uh ancestral um worship yeah and again i don't know if worship is the word but but communing
4: what's
0: what's that davy veneration yep yep so and and you know respect for you know they do a lot of preparation with the dead um and they and they work side by side with the dead,
4: yeah.
0: um, which was uh, cool. Kind of just right out the outset, um, seeing how uh, Tamra and her brother, who is dead, uh, work alongside each other at, at the at the outset.
2: Sure. Which yeah, one going to show? Sure. Hand in hand or hand in skeleton hand? Bone.
0: Man, man, mandibles. Yeah, sure. And no. Spooky. Yeah. Medi- and in metacarpals.
2: I mean, I just want David to confirm it. Yes.
1: David confirm.
2: That'll, That'll work. work. That'll <laughs> do. Um, so uh, it it as you'll find out as we talk more about this book that it, it really does focus on the interplay between the living and the dead in this in this realm. And I think it's a, a big focus of this book, and shows she's sort of the focal point of that, where we can sort of uh, put ourselves in in the shoes of somebody who would be living in uh, the realm of death. Shish. um So. Years oh of, yeah that's that's two um and so i think we that's i mean there's quite a few characters on the on the death side for the most part that's that's the the most important ones uh shall we transition to what some might consider the antagonists of the story
4: Ugh, gross. Yes.
2: i know real well you, you i just got goosebumps thinking about it um guys we're reading a we're reading a reynolds book who do you think the the antagonists are going to be
0: Spider Man, Spider Man yeah.
2: That's not Why would you even that doesn't that's too different? It's the opposite.
3: Yeah. It's oh crap. <laughs> I, I was hoping for a Spider-Fang book. Not a spider fang
2: book. <laughs> look <laughs> spoiler alert, look elsewhere. No spiders in this one. Uh, um uh, it's the return of the order. Spear shadows.
0: shadows has it's uh spear shadows. It's that's like 100 percent better because
3: it's got spiders in
2: it. And Battle Balenton- no. Archeon. I No, not no, no,
3: really.
2: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, guys, it's the Order of the Fly, our favorite. Ah, oh, these favorites. guys are awesome. Yeah, everybody loves that Order the of the lady. Fly. Yeah, if,
3: yeah, lady, right. Lady Festes, uh,
2: I don't know. Drinking creepy chalices and stuff. So uh, in this the... book, we follow uh, a, a a gentleman known as Blightmaster Wolgus, and he's got a knight under under him that's uh, Sir Fester Festerbite. That yep. sounds right. Yeah. Um, and so Wolgus is a particularly effective, uh, Ted tactician um and he's and he's got his knight under him who i imagine is probably pretty good at tactics as well um and uh they're they're your your classic order of the fly uh individuals i think i think Wolves is maybe a little bit known for his his tactics he's, he's very cerebral in his his uh his fighting but uh for the most part i mean it, it's it's the order of the fly that you know and love underbound um loving that lady of the what is her name
3: Video uh, of the flybone chalice.
2: Sure. Also, I, I'll accept all of those answers. Um, ding ding. Um, so they're they're new, but based off what we know so far about the order of the fly, like I said, they're honor bound. They like drinking from those chalices, and they're probably super super contagious. Like, you you have...
3: If we could give a quick like two sentence summary to what the order of the fly is, do you think? Oh, yeah. Anybody For folks
0: who don't know, I thought he just did.
3: <laughs> well, but I mean from the background, <laughs> right? Like from how they act. So all right, I'll give it. Since, uh, all right, Nurgle Uh, Brett's go. If if you mix Bretonians with Nurgle, you keep the honor, but you discard the cleanliness, you get the order to fly. Yeah, sure,
4: yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you can really picture, um, I mean, the the Wargus is very much, you know, a a you know, knight of, uh, you know, or a, a general type, um, super kind to his to the, those underneath him, even affectionate in his leadership. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of respect that he, you know, earns from them. So it's unlike what you might see for, definitely from like a corn leader who just beats his, the subservience, you know, uh, upside the head or whatever. Um, but yeah, Davey, what did you think of, do you have any other way to describe these guys?
1: No, I like how Paul summed it up. Uh, it's been, it's been what I've said this a lot of times, but it's been what Josh Reynolds, I think does better than anyone else that I've read in black, black libraries uh, is make chaos characters that are somehow at least partially relatable, you know, uh, and that makes them engaging. Instead of just being like, Oh, like here's, you know, this finger waggling villain who can't wait to destroy the world. Like they, they have some kind of, mustache twirling is that what you're going for eric yeah Yeah. um yeah see you know uh it's someone that's interesting to read about and just be like okay well like this is a guy who's going to get kicked in the nards at some point because he's a bad guy like you're you can you can actually on some level root for root for these guys because they have motivations that you can understand or identify with to some extent so
0: yeah and there's a there's a um Oh, was it a what is the uh, Herald uh, of Nurgle that that features in this as well that becomes kind of just within their camp a little bit of a antagonist to him you know whereas he's the protagonist of the Nurgle story uh, you know this uh, Gorum becomes the the antagonist of of the and and that so I mean that's the other kind of depth and what we the interesting thing about Chaos and some of these other um, forces is how they Sometimes they are tripping over themselves, right? Um, they're their own undoing, um, and uh, so seeing how these these forces kind of infight and uh, undermine each other, and, and that's a, a fun part of that that part of the story.
2: Um, yeah, agreed. Um, so I think we covered the the moving pieces. We co- we covered the pawns of of this story. As we could talk about what what they're up to, and what's the what's the what's the premise, um, which. We don't know a lot about Age of Chaos, but I feel like this is pretty typical of what was going on. Is that we got a realm, we got a realm ripe for the taking. Nagash is sort of on the back foot. Um, Chaos has got its eye on it. Nurgle specifically, because he's sort of a life and death kind of guy, um, and he's he's looking to looking to take it over. Um, this branch of the Order of the Fly that we've been talking about has been sent by Nurgle uh, to wipe out sort of this this northern clans, this northern area. We know that there's plenty of folks up there that need need tending to. Uh, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a good reference right there um so, yeah we're gonna so,
0: it's, wait till you get a load of me
2: okay well you're i'm gonna mute you right now here we go <laughs> um, well they,
1: specifically they're looking to save him from the stagnation of death right yeah like, i was just gonna like, say yeah. stagnation um like you no know, which is which is cool you know nurgle's about uh this cycle um but on a different level than you know than we're we like to in think in favor of, of. But, yeah. Um, so that's they, they're they on a crusade, like they, that's what they call it. They're on this crusade to liberate, uh, liberate the realm from the gashes. uh, uh, sterile, like, um, I don't know, stasis that he's trying to put in the stasis of death,
2: sure. Yeah, uh, there's no cycle if everything's just in a in a flat sort of right. line. Um, it's true. So they, they're sending this this i don't know retinue uh vanguard i don't know some group of the the order of the fly out there sort of uh i, would, uh, bolstered I would with a crusade. a crusade a crusade yeah, yeah yeah
4: yeah
2: right? sure sure I'm um, bolstered by forces from you know the, the demons of nurgle as well so it's not just our our mortal rockbringers, bringers but they've got they've got a uh an alliance with the nurgle demons as, as well um so it, it's sort of an impressive force to go out and weed out what some might think is just a ragtag bunch of barbarians out there. Um, but they're, they're, they're sent on a mission and they're there to take care of business. Um, so whether it was intentional or not, we're, we're sort of thrust into the story um, with Tamara and her, her range of uh, death allies who are there to sort of stop them, whether intentionally or not, or um, it's sort of out of necessity to sort of save their you know, way of life or what have you. Uh, Nurgle comes and knocking, and you got to stand up to him.
0: And there's, and uh, that's the, that's the main drive of the story. And then there's just a couple of, you know, it wouldn't be intrigue without a couple of plot twists okay. and uh, you know, some, some ulterior motives from, from some of our main characters.
2: Too true. Um,
0: when you get the Mortarks involved, what plans uh, are you the pawn of and and when the, the hero, when a, when a demon of, a uh, greater demon of Zinch gets involved, uh, what are they not telling you? Nurgle, so, but yeah, you're right. Nurgle, sorry, Nurgle. It's <laughs> <That's, laughs> like, what are you talking about? Are the no, Skies who, again?
2: What's who knows? For Zinch, uh, like it could maybe be anybody,
0: there, right? Maybe there's a Zinch guy involved. You don't know. Read the book.
2: That's <gasps> true. Read the book. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll stop with our spoiler-free stuff right there. Uh, we'll we'll get into spoilers in a sec, but for those folks who who don't know if they should read it, let's let's chat about whether or not we recommend it. Let me go real f- go first, just real quick. Um, I recommend it. I think it's an awesome book. Uh, it, it first of all, first of all, it's a very manageable read. It's not too long. I think he hits his story points that he needs to in a very uh, concise and consistent manner. Um, it kept me. It was a real page turner because there's always something going on, which I'm really into. Um, it's a great book for anybody who plays undead we don't get a lot of undead perspective especially we don't get a lot of sympathetic undead perspective I feel like a lot of the uh you know the skeletons and the zombies are often like nameless faceless uh, enemies that need to be taken care like fodder that needs to be waded through whereas this is a completely new perspective um which i'm all about uh and I think because of that i was real real drawn into it from a guy who doesn't give doesn't care about basically the death quartet uh, whatsoever I, I started rooting for death which i never thought i would have. Um it's the classic uh, Davey alluded to before uh getting the Nurgle perspective that makes you still sort of want to root for them too or at least for some of them. Um I love that love that order of the fly and it's uh delivers in the same way that the other sort of order of the fly uh scenes that we've seen in the past <coughs> sort of the same thing. Um I'm all about it. Someone go next.
1: Davey, what do you think? Recommend it. Um I think i can say that it was my uh, favorite novel length age of sigmar piece of fiction so far um mm-hmm. uh i it's the one that it's the one that i uh turned the pages most readily on you know i never you know i was like excited to come back to sometimes it's a little bit like all right you know i'm i'm, I'm interested in what's going on but it's not it's not grabbing me um but uh play garden was good this was great so um josh reynolds continue to find his form with uh, uh, Age of Sigmar Fiction. So, um, some of the reasons on that we'll get into, but uh, I, I thought uh, the characters were well written. We had character development, which is not something that we always get in this kind of thing. Like, sometimes it's just enough to say, hey, I wrote a book and it's set in the Age of Sigmar and you're going to read it because of that. But here they did some character development, relatable characters on both sides. So it was never like, oh man, you know, now here's the boring part where they talk about the you know this group of people who I don't care about. Like they, he, he did a good job of uh, making everybody interesting and relatable. So, uh, yep, highly recommend. How about you, Paul?
4: Uh,
3: I recommend the book. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't my favorite, um, but that's just because I'm not a huge fan of Nurgle or Death in general. Um, but for that being said, I definitely enjoyed reading the book. I definitely enjoyed the storyline and. I felt like, as Davey was saying, it progressed re- relatively well. Uh, there was a lot of interesting back and forth between the characters. There was a lot of interesting back and forth. Uh, just between the actual setting itself, uh, it was really interesting. Um, who would I recommend it to? Probably recommend it to, obviously, anybody that wants to read about Nurgle. It's really cool that we've got Myrtle, mortals. And then you've also got the demons going on here. Um, I would obviously recommend it to anybody that's uh, a fan of Death um it is a sympathetic deaf voice and that's amazing um i would also add that if you're a fan of free peoples and especially how free peoples can change based on what realm you are in this is a really good book to read to read about how free peoples act in the realm of death i thought that was a really cool interesting new approach uh to how that worked out so yeah thumbs up
0: I also super duper recommend this book primarily for those uh, who love death. I mean, yeah, we've been getting a lot of great stories from Malign Portance on kind of how some of death uh, interacts with the world. Um, I, I still don't think these are free people. Uh, they're certainly humans. They're mortals, yeah. uh, but they don't, they don't worship the stigma they don't worship those things. This is, um, I love the take on, on Tamara, her people and how they relate to and work with the dead, and and there's even a, a part where it talks about um, kind of male male necromancy versus female necromancy, this idea of 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 between forcing the dead to serve you and and urging them into um, kind of ser- into working with you, um, and so there's you know that doesn't necessarily have to be gender lines, but I'm just thinking about different ways that a necromancer can rel- re- enact. Uh, interact with the dead how the how the different kind of motives of the dead uh can come together and and we have we have skeletons and zombies and uh flesh eaters and night haunts and mortarks and death mages and everybody's represented here but in such a way that it ties together and it, and it and it just the way they all kind of work together like you could build you could build a uh, und- you know, an, an undead alliance army based in this book, and, and the theme would be amazing. Um, so I definitely loved uh, the way uh, Josh Reynolds brought that together. Um, and then there's a ton of just these cool moments, uh, some of which make Tomb King's uh, players raise their fists and go, why did you take them away? So I'll just say that as well. <laughs> anyway, uh, why don't we... Last warning.
3: Scott Reed, stop now. Go read the we're, book.
0: We're heading into spoilers. Five, four, three, two,
3: one. Darth
0: Vader's Luke's dead.
4: Oh <laughs> how, could how could you?
0: All right. So we want we talked about a little bit about see how do we wanna approach this. And we decided we're gonna break the story down into three parts. We're going to talk a little bit about the first and and maybe instead of like talking about all three parts, we'll just say here, part one is our where we immediately open the book, the order of the fly is bearing down is is coming towards uh, the the kind of fort fortification of the of the drac um and are kind of uh, knocking at the door.
2: Uh, that's a polite way to put that.
0: Yes, yes, Nurgle, it
2: is. Nurgle does not knock.
0: Um,
2: so what were some of the you know, in this
0: first opening scene, um, we get introduced to Tamra, we get introduced to Wargus, we get introduced to Gorm, we get introduced to Festerbite, we get introduced to uh Tamara's brother. Um, what was his who, name?
2: Who has a name? <laughs> I wish that'd be cool. If I had a cool <laughs> sister. I know I'll look it up. Keep going.
0: Um, and and so we get introduced to them and we've got Nurgle knocking at the door. Um, but kind of the so so what were some of the things that uh, that you guys saw in this first opening kind of setting that really really called to you?
2: Well, I think right out the gate it's grabbed me because I sort of alluded to before uh, the idea of the the living and the dead working so closely together. It was a, it was a scene, it was an environment, it was a you know, setting, I guess, that I haven't personally, I don't remember ever being sort of exposed to. Um, a lot of times when you deal with death, you uh, get a lot of uh, folks who are in control and those those, you know, necromancers or whatever are, are sort of controlling the mindless dead and, you know, sicking them after after whoever their enemies are. This was much more uh, interplay between the living and the dead sort of working, eh, I'm not going to say autonomously, but at least hand in hand um, to, you know, fight off. So they, they, were, they were allies as opposed to, you know, master and, and slave. Um, you see that especially in the interplay between... Um, Tamara and her brother Sarpa, who's some sort of I don't know white or what have you. I don't know, but he, he's working. He, he's got his own thoughts even in death, um, and that was that right then and there. Like grabbed me and really hooked me, um, yeah. pulled me in and and pointed or you know just highlighted that these are some folks that I was real real interested. School in. from so an army I, building perspective, where yeah. you can
1: you know instead of your your white king being mindless, you know like oh like these guys could have their own motivations. Um, <laughs> But also, like talking about this sort of different approach to what a necromancer is, uh, it it kind of drove home to me like some of the obstacles that these Black Library authors are up against, right? Because like, um, I'd, uh, I th- I I might have been the first one to finish it, uh, and then it's I was not a race man. No, no, no. But I'm saying so. I read through <laughs> all the ready, so I knew the I knew the whole book laid out. And then I'm looking at the chat while Paul and Eric are talking to each other about what they've read so far. And they're like, oh, what do you think Tamara is? Is she a necromancer? And Paul's like, well, no, she's not. A, she probably isn't a necromancer. She's wearing armor. I was like, man, like people writing these things, like have all these, you know, conventions that people, you know, people in the gaming community have built up by, you know, just by books they've read or Dungeons and Dragons and all these things that say like, oh, well, wizards don't have armor, you know, all, all this sort of thing. And so not only are you like, I don't know, you, you have all these conventions that you're working against that are, that exist in the Warhammer universe, but on the, in the greater fantasy universe. Uh, and so, you know, when people see something that's out of the ordinary, how they react to it um, could be positive or negative, but uh, you take a risk every time you, you ditch some of those. And I enjoy it. You know, I, I, I love seeing them try something new instead of just following the same route. I think that's one of the things that makes this book great. And that was mm-hmm. what grabbed me right off the bat. Like you were saying, Aaron, it's like, Oh, like here's this white King that, think like it's you know interesting and the brother to somebody and got a relationship with somebody who's living like very very interesting right off the bat like okay you got me i'm, I'm gonna read this sure. yeah
3: uh, same thing for me uh it was not revealed at the beginning what sarpa is right they're just talking about this brother and sister and how they're getting ready to Badass. That's what it is. right and it's only like when you get a couple pages in that it's like oh yeah by the way he's a white king yeah like that reveal to me was just like one of my favorite moments in the book was like oh man now it's gonna happen right like this is awesome where he's he's taking something that's not really canon and like especially mixing the living and the dead and like like eric alluded to like it's straight up tomb kings right like you keep your soul you keep your personality um but you're undead but yeah. th- the crazy thing is like they go through this whole preparation you know it's not mummification. But it is preparation. They leave the bones out to be picked clean by the vultures. And then once the bones are picked clean, then they inscribe their runes into them. And then they ask them to be raised, right? Like, yeah. and I would definitely be okay with arguing that this is more of a free peoples than an undead. I definitely get your point of where you're coming from, where it's a necromancer, etc., cetera, um, raising the dead. But this is such a different way of doing it. I mean, yeah, in the free old pe- world...
0: But you got to use the term, free peoples is a very specific... Faction.
1: Well, at, the at the moment, I know,
0: but we don't have anything else. Free Peoples is a specific faction that worships Sigmar.
1: But to get back well, to the book, no, to get back to the book, I,
3: yeah. But anyway, I, yeah. <laughs> I think a great way, like I think a
1: great way to go home the this point that, uh, like they work hand in hand, is that your narrator in this segment, who's Tamra, does not think it's important until some like a significant part of the way in to mention that oh yeah my brother's dead right mm-hmm. like i'm yep. fighting alongside my brother like he, he's bringing his troops up to like hold the line and then reveal like bt dubs he's dead you know but <laughs> it, it's not it, it's just it's just how they operate you know it's how they how they roll and so i well
0: i mean and i think it takes i mean like necromancer again we have these tropes that tell us that necromancers are bad people tropes. <laughs> but in this book, she's a necromancer. She is not a bad person. Right. Um, I, 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 this past uh, Christmas season, I went and saw Coco with my son and Mm coco is about um the the traditions in uh, it's okay we're in the brothers
1: area so just go crazy (laughs) (laughs) not gonna spoil coco for anyone uh but
0: it's about the you know the hispanic culture and again the veneration of the dead and remembering your ancestors and those that have gone before you and in the the story of coco there's a communing of the of sorts um where there's again this relationship is tangible and i loved um there's this part where you get a contrast between how they've, how when they are able to take the proper uh, kind of time, they res- they show the respect for their dead by you know the runes making a plea, arming them, giving them armor and weapons that have been handed down and all those things. There's a moment when, as the the enemy comes further into the camp where there's some of her living brothers and sisters and family that have died. And, and she has to make a choice on whether or not to use them without that preparation, without that, that uh, proper uh, prep, you know, preparation, whatever. And, and just kind of jerks them out of, of death to use them to, to, for the purposes of protecting her people and how sick that makes her. Yeah. Um, and again, breaking that that idea that that necromancers just disrespect and use the dead uh, to their own will, which is a contrast that we'll see later mm-hmm. um, to to maybe how other people treat the dead.
1: Yeah. 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 I think I think this is it. I think this is like what can make the Age of Sigmar uh, narrative and fiction and all this sort of thing compelling is the way they can shed some of these tropes. Uh, and make some of these old ideas fresh again by the way they choose to approach him whether it's in gameplay dwarves who live in the sky or in the fiction necromancers who are not straight up evil i think aaron's signaling elves who live under the sea yeah that's exactly <laughs> what i was yeah, doing yeah, I,
0: don't. I don't know about
1: them <laughs> we're we're gonna put that save that one for that
2: oh yeah yeah, yeah sorry is back. Rewind.
1: Reverse,
2: <laughs> reverse. It's a
1: real great one to hang on to.
2: <laughs> keep that in the back pocket.
1: No um, one else coming. It
2: sounds me. like we we really like uh this death dynamic. Uh, yeah. but that's just one this one half of the story. Um, what, what do we what do we find out about Nurgle? Who, who are we dealing with on that side? Order of fly. Um
0: so they, I mean, so we talk. We hear about Wargus and uh, we hear about the the later Lady of the whatever the chalice. What what is it again? Paul?
3: Canker or something, something. The uh, uh, Order of the Flybone Chalice, and then the Lady of Kankerwall.
0: Kankerwall, there it is, and and it's, it has absolutely so. Cank, lady of Kankerwall um, came under the service of Nurgle. Um, I am. I th- it talks a little bit about her background, but it wasn't maybe something important enough. Did you guys take
1: notes on that or you remember what we we learned just a little yeah, bit more about her than before? Um, okay, we've we've heard a reference in a couple of different things in uh Plague Garden, she's mentioned in Outcast, yep. she's mentioned uh, so she's shaping up to be this figure who you know Josh Reynolds is adding bit by bit, so mm-hmm. exists. I have not read um. Maggotkin, so i am sure she pops up somewhere in there, but yeah. it' just kind of cool where like we got this player on the field, um lady cankerwall she's got some yeah. big rule, um, but
0: she's got a chalice, which is like Holy Grail, which is like lady of the lake, which is yeah. all these things I mean they mm-hmm. the trope or the 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 kind of the bretonian flair is full force like is isn't just like kind of there, yeah um, you know like this is heavy um yeah. in there. Um, these
1: guys yeah. refer to each other like oh gentle gentle fester bite and you know they, they it's all this nightly talk to each yeah. other uh, it's super cool uh, again it's it's a ton music. of
0: respect like yeah. and and like like they are choosing to follow each other and they've chosen to follow Nurgle. this isn't like so we learned uh in in gates of azir that um you know the moralat the uh the rea- reavers are forced to eat each other mm-hmm. eat their their kin and that as they eat that and as they kill, like corn, just drums into their heads and they become insane with corn's rage. These guys are are like have their eyes have been opened to Nurgle's blessing and to what he's going to create. And the, so there's just a totally different vibe from these guys, um, honorable and respectful of of the circle of life, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's yeah, they're, they're like I mean they're gentle in their in how they. And, and and I mean they're nightly in the way they they communicate with each other
2: too true I just did a search and I don't find nothing about the lady in the magtkin book okay drop that ball all right
0: whoops Josh Reynolds didn't write that though
2: hmm? <laughs> she didn't write the book yeah that's true get on that Jay uh, ag- agreed I'm trying to think if I have anything else to add um I, I, like we said before uh it's real easy to get real sympathetic and in root for these guys as well. It's it's hard not to, um, especially considering the Brett's are gone. So, like who else are you gonna get your fix from uh, you know, your your honor and your chivalry? That is the next best thing, I suppose. Um so here here's the
0: question. Would you if you were to make this army, would you make a Bretonian army with nurgling bits? Or would you make are these kind of more Blight King style dudes roaming around? I I mean, they're not all mounted on horses, are they?
2: you're talking to i would definitely
3: say they're more blight king uh to be honest they seem to be fully enveloped in this worship of nurgle to the point where we're giving the gift of despair right it's the gift of despair that really defines them they're giving the gift of despair they're giving the gift of not having to worry about what's going to come forward because everything's going to be terrible (laughs) right i mean that's kind of what they're about They do hate hope,
4: yeah. They do hate hope. The cruelty of false hope, right?
3: Exactly, the cruelty is false hope. And that to me is a straight up Nurgle thing as opposed to a Bretonnian thing. If you were going to try and actually model them as they started, I think a Bretonnian would absolutely be the way to go. And this would be the closest that we've probably gotten to where the order started. But I think because of their complete devotion to Nurgle, if they were being sent on holy crusades to other realms, at this point they would be fully involved in that whole blight king aesthetic. I when, you know, when, I, think when I think of
1: uh, Chris Tomlin's got some awesome conversions where he took uh, what are the uh, ever chosen knights the.
2: Thank
1: um, He's got varengard but he puts like blight king bodies on those. Mm-hmm. They look awesome, and that's that's what I think of when I'm thinking of uh, what these guys look like. Well,
2: yeah, some of them ride like crazy, like deformed steeds and stuff right which is yep. exactly like the very guard like horses you know whatever they're riding
3: um did we talk about the the herald of nurgle and his palanquin yet
2: hey let's talk about him right now
3: because that's amazing where he took four kurnoff hunters and bent them into a seat for him to sit upon
2: you have a weird definition of the word amazing yeah had,
3: like <laughs> I'm sorry, from a modeling perspective, that sounds like so much fun to actually make.
2: You have a weird definition of the word fun.
4: Horrible,
3: (laughs) torturous, like terrible, but it it would be so much fun to make this character from a conversion perspective. I really, really was tempted to make him, uh, and I might make him still an ad to my Nurgle Army because it is such a cool idea. I love that he is so consumed with the realm of life that he was able to take Kurnowulf Hunters with him form them into the thing that he rides to invade other realms and then control them enough to have them invade the other realms with their magic as well. It's such a twisted, creative, creative idea. Let's do yeah. there.
2: So like for, for the sake of the story, we're dealing with a, a, a Herald, right? Who's, who's supplementing, or I don't know, maybe he's the major part of the force. I guess I'm not really sure the numbers, but he's supplementing and sort of serving as a, Foil's not the word, but it's just a counterpoint, I guess, to the order of the fly. Order of the fly, very uh, steep, steeped, steeped in sort of, I guess, maybe human mentality. It's the, it's yeah. the, the order, the, the honor and all that jazz. But you know, demons don't have any of that. Or at least we've never seen right. any demons that have that. So it's sort of the counterpoint. Go ahead, Danny, hit me. I see oh, you coming.
1: Well, and they've, he, this guy's used uh, what he knows about the order to manipulate them into going on this crusade. Like, True. it's his ulterior motive. He says, "Hey, we're going to liberate." The north of shyish uh from the stagnancy of death but actually what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go finish the deal sneak in and you know kill off the almost dead in the gash uh, is, is this guy's ambition and uh he has a little bit where he talks about how oh like how easy it is to manipulate the the order and they start to you know they start to clue in and think like mm, maybe we're getting used but you know uh so it, it has some cool interplay of the different factions within
2: yeah absolutely but uh any given god's army is not this monolithic thing it you know has its own internal yeah yeah Yeah.
1: uh, well when
0: we i mean when we did to to bring up zinch in order to justify me saying it earlier yeah uh, let me see what you're doing uh, yeah you know there's this sense uh there where when we were talking about zinch is that the the body very much like zinch likes it when his followers like ruin each other's plans uh, that's part of what it means to be part of Zinch, is to is that, sometimes fail.
2: Is uh, that how they ruin each other's plans with their fingers like that?
0: Yeah. Just, yeah, uh
2: Oh, sure. Okay. Like
0: you. a game of joust. <laughs> ah! um, and then, uh, but so, but here, same kind of thing. Like he, you know, he's obviously the, um, the order of the fly is following the, the lady of, lady of canker The, you know, the Herald is following, you know, the, the great unclean or the, Papa Nurgle directly, maybe more directly, you know. And so, you know, it's a game of telephone. You
2: know, true, 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 true. Um, And so, in terms of like just a straight up plot, we the, the the setting is this that like we've got our undead folks hunkered down in their in their bastion or whatever it is, you know, their their fortress or fort at the very least. And and Nero comes, like you said, comes and knocks and kicks the door and 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 basically is. Ruining their day. They've got the upper hand. They've probably got the numbers at this point. Um, so Nurgle seems to want to end this story real quick. Uh, and Tamra, with with her followers, that she she sent some of her human followers to escape. She's doing what she can to save her people, which is also, a, I think, it's worth noting. Is she's very duty driven or very bound to her people? She's very, uh, you know, she's fond of them. She's attached to them. Um, and so she's praying in the gash, uh, and she's not necessarily getting an answer right away which i think is, permeates throughout this whole story is where's is nagash what's nagash doing he's supposed to be protecting us where is he um so she's praying she's doing what she can to protect her people and lo and behold her prayer in a way is answered but not necessarily in the way she expects because boom out from the sky drops our favorite um uh, because it's the one i most I read most recently uh neferata out of nowhere bringing her more talk, and I guess her, her vampires probably show up at the same time. Her blood knights, uh, yeah. Yeah, her blood knights, and they and they they clear house. They come last minute to save the day. Um, and here we get uh not not just a glimpse, but this is the 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 start of our relationship throughout the story with Neferata. She's uh she's snarky, she's aloof. Um obviously she came to save these folks, but by no means is she particularly fond of them per se. Uh but she does save the day when when necessary were, were you guys surprised to see neferata
1: i was surprised to see her in this role like every time we've seen neferata before be it end times or uh uh book 10 or gate wars um or in the in the actual book itself like she's been she has not been like in uh a person of action she's not she's been getting her hands dirty right and and typically she's been like it's been we've seen her when her schemes have come unravelled, and so it's been hard to believe her as like this ultimate schemer, like oh she's a spy master or whatever. But we only ever see her in this in this time of like, you know, things kind of went south, and now she's like shocked that she's having to get her hands dirty. Uh, and I, I found her to be a real weak character before this. I really liked her. I thought she was I thought she was super cool. Um, she had some depth to her. She's making these schemes, but she's also like. Doing things, making things happen. Like she doesn't seem like uh You're not like, well, how did this person ever get to be this powerful? Like she seems totally incompetent. You're like, whoa, badass! Like I, I can, I can see what she's got going on. Um, so, I thought this, this is the best I've ever seen her written. Um, be it in, in Age of Sigmar or prior.
2: You know, and yeah. that just as a thought, and just the way you described that made me think. Of it I wonder if that's the difference between the Age of Chaos and the Age of sigma right because we've seen her a little i mean less so like let's put the end times aside um maybe back in the day she used to get her hands dirty but as time goes on she's less and less inclined to do so i I don't know that anything in this book would maybe lead to that transition maybe it would um but i wonder if you could make the argument that it's it's the time frame that is that distinction because i agree yeah you're right before she she, the things i've read before this book made me agree with what your your perspective was on her
1: i I think you make that argument i think it's i think it's just and i i think in reality, it is. Uh, we've got somebody who's got a, a more active vision of what she could be, like Josh Reynolds, is doing a better job of writing her. But it, you know, it is possible that it's an intentional thing. But I think just, I think she's just better written than she's been in the past. Yeah. Guys, let's yeah.
2: uh, let's read the Neferada book coming, and we'll we'll come to that conclusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As an
1: aside, I completely
3: agree with Davey. I think like, this is easily the best characterization that we've had Neferada. Uh, it, it's fantastic to see her actually be a general that you would put on about people they just ignore and be like you're going to kill something and this is going to be good right um but i think a lot of it might have to do with the way that he set her in the story which is that we're fighting with tamra we're fighting with their brother we're fighting against this realm of nurgle but it's specifically the praying to nagash and nagash doesn't answer so who answers but it's neferata right and she answers because nagash is in a place where he's not able to actively assist And so I think he put her in a place where she can't just be a master of spies, right? Because she's missing her God. She has to be active. She has to be fighting because there is no one to back her up if this fails, which is a really interesting perspective to be put in and and kind of broaches in on that whole actual approach of the way that Nagash is portrayed in this book, which I think is just absolutely
4: fascinating.
2: Yeah, you know, I think you nailed Neferata pretty well. You're right. She she sort of rises to the occasion. Like she this isn't this may or may not be her her forte, but she's gotta do it because she's missing, you know, a very vital component of, you know, the the work structure or whatever you wanna call it. Good point.
0: And we find out later she's got some some ulterior motives as well that may require her to be on the ground.
2: Sure, I never trusted her from day one.
0: Um, so- uh, little housekeeping, <laughs> just kind of looking back. I think, and just it reminded me um, in our timeline, it the the order of the fly and Gorm are coming out of the realm of life. So it's potentially in the age of chaos where Goran has already kind of suffered pretty big losses. Mm-hmm. Maybe
4: sure. Aleriel
0: has retreated, um, and you know, like we know that the pantheon has maybe split already. Because we talked about, uh, you know, Nagash's, you know, maybe fell, he somehow let chaos in and and fought the chaos and the chaos won, um and uh, and I so Gran has been kind of conquered a bit by Nurgle and they're coming this way, so that's I, I wondered if that that resonated at all too, just kind of as a timeline.
2: Well, it does because I think they're a little cocky too, um especially coming off uh, a realm that I imagine probably put up a fight to like. Come, you know, stomping through around that you know, god's it half, str- you know, if ha- half strength if they're lucky. So, like, they probably thought there wasn't going to be much of a resistance. And uh, at the beginning of the book, you probably get that impression. I think from mm-hmm. the order of the five, are pretty. I mean, as as much as a knightly order is going to be anyways, but they're 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 pretty sure of themselves. You get that too.
0: Yep. So just just kind of fun, kind of adding a little bit more timeline to it.
2: Good point. Um, so never comes and saves the day. She says we got to we got to get out of here. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you. I don't know if she says it, but she we're gonna we're gonna take you and meet up with the rest of your clans because it's not just you out here. You being Tamara and her Rictus clan. There's a whole range of clans out there. So uh, she saves the day and they they she leads them leads them out. Do they take some secret tunnels or something, or is that everybody else?
0: I think a lot of people went out through the secret tunnels uh, to escape. Um, but I think once Nephrotic came in and was able to kind of stave off that wave, mm-hmm. and there was some sense that that was kind of the the eager too eager first wave of Nurgle that of the of the order that kind of was coming and loping through there and all that kind of stuff.
2: Too true. Yeah, they weren't fighting the full force. They were they were dealing with a, an offshoot of the larger battle. Yeah. But it also uh, talks battle.
3: a little bit about Tamra and how tortured she is to leave her family behind. True, Right? Yeah. They are dead, they've been killed, but even so it's the I'm not going to be able to raise them. I'm not going to be able to be with them, right? Like it is even in loss. It is torture. Yeah, because of how this tribe functions. Right. I
0: mean, because she, she failed
4: them.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's that she has failed them, right? They didn't die fighting a superior foe. Her job was to keep them alive. She's the Voivode and she has failed. Which is a really just like interesting perspective.
2: You guys, know how voivodes are, right? Oh, classic!
1: I
0: avoid them.
2: Oh. This,
1: uh, so, we, I, I don't remember who joked about this, but like, feral was the rule, uh, was the word in uh, uh that I was like, All right, well, I gotta look this up and now, it's all over the place. I, I was like three sentences into this book, I'm like, Well, I guess I gotta look up voivode because that's right here. <laughs> does it actually
3: have an evolution i assumed it was something he just made up no that's a real thing
1: it's it's like a eastern european chieftain or something like that yeah 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 Yeah. oh that's cool i i that's awesome i'm gonna crush a trivia night (laughs) (laughs) something
2: i mean does Reynolds just have like a a tourist open all the time i guess most a lot of authors do it's not just him. i gotta figure
1: this is something like you know and, and this is this is something i appreciate about authors that know read a little more broadly like read some history instead of like if you sometimes i feel like you get uh players or authors that just like all they do is immerse themselves in fantasy fantasy sci-fi fantasy sci-fi fantasy and don't reach out anywhere but there's so much you can pull from other areas um and uh and that's those are the people who can break these tropes instead of being so drenched in this is how it's supposed to be they can pull in from other places and so i i, I mean is going really far abroad from the fact that he used the word voivode, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, well, I conclude from that that like he he reads outside of this. Like that's not a word you're just going to happen upon uh, by flipping through the dictionary. I mean, maybe, True. but uh, I think he must have been reading something. He said, "Oh, that's interesting. Like I, I can use that
2: in an interview or 2 I've I've have heard him or not heard him, see, read him say as much. Actually, he he I think the impression I get that he does read abroad. Oh my gosh, we love Reynolds on this podcast.
0: Word oh, of the day Reynolds. calendar, yes.
2: Absolutely,
3: Completely word of the Reynolds.
0: day calendar is the secret.
2: Yeah, no,
3: voivode is going to be in a word of the day calendar. I, it I could defy you to find that calendar.
0: I mean, if you're going to have a niche calendar that stands out next to all the other word of the day calendars, why wouldn't you have one that has a voivode on it and make that your your
2: pitch?
3: Okay. So, like, and day one watch. is ferial, day two is voivode. What is day three going to be? <laughs> I mean,
2: interested. come on, a fantasy word of the day calendar. Would do all right, actually.
4: <laughs> write write like, that down. Particulous.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! All right, so is is that is that where we draw the line for section one? Like, what 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 comes next?
1: I think we're pretty
0: good.
2: Are we in the middle? So, yeah. So, so, middle. It's a big Mid- middle.
0: Middle. Um, we're gonna we're gonna skip talking about. So, there's kind of two uh, new other places that that the book takes place. One is. Is a, a fortress, but we're going to say that for the third act. Yeah, we get some back and forth between again what's happening with the the Order of the Fly in their track in their travels towards this place, and we get uh, conversations that are happening at this place. But let's focus on the travel of the Order of the Fly f- from where they we meet them in the beginning and kind of their whole caravan uh, towards this final destination.
2: I like it good plan um what's the time of year winter time though do we know it's not winter all the time there i guess i
0: think
2: think.
1: who knows
0: um there is a part at the end where um neferata remembers when the place was kind of warm and springtime
2: okay gotcha
0: so it's it's potential that there it's possible that at the moment it's just winter all the time like Mm. who knows how seasons work the gas a giant douche when he
4: makes it like, up. I'm not a happy winter. <laughs> <laughs> the
3: winter of my discontent. Yeah. For seventeen hundred years.
0: Yeah. Um so it's yeah, it's winter time and while I mean the 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 blessed of Nurgle are more durable than than most. You and me. Yeah,
3: (laughs) Uh, I can't make a like thousand mile march through the desert wilderness. You know, I can't make the march from
2: my front door to my car. It sucks here. Why do I I still live here?
0: I turned forty this year. It's not
3: happening. (laughs) Uh, I need um, a garage. Need a garage now.
0: Um, but but they're finding. I mean, the winter. Um, they still need to eat. They still need to sleep sometimes. Um, and, uh, you know, so this is, this is a much different experience than they had in Garan.
2: Just a real quick thought. just is if, if somebody would ask you before this book, if the, the followers in Nurgle had to eat, would you have said yes?
0: Mortals? I think yes.
2: I wouldn't have thought that, but just, it's just a weird, it like caught me off guard. I'm like, oh, they got to eat something. That's weird. Carry uh, on. Just yeah. The, just the thought.
1: What carry on? Yeah. They, that's yeah. Yeah. That's fine. It's on the menu. <laughs>
0: Carry on my wayward son.
1: Oh, oh, uh, no. I accidentally no. clicked
0: hang up. Oh,
4: no. <laughs>
3: We're done now, right? That was it. That was uh, it uh,
1: forever.
4: forever.
3: And, <laughs> everybody,
1: and then everybody dies. And then uh, yeah. <laughs> Scott Reed, so, turn it off now again. Age of Sigmar stops existing.
0: <laughs> so what's the first challenge they run into? So some of it is food, right? And and cold.
1: I honestly can't
2: remember. It was two months ago. Was it the the, the, the giant... <laughs>
0: Tomb King fans, and picture this. Instead of sand, snow. And out of the snow, a bone giant rages. Um, a, a raging a bone, bone giant. giant? So we get the—we do get this scene of Nagash kind of looking over things, right? Just his eyes, like, again, he's almost, it feels like he's almost seen now. out of body experience. He doesn't know exactly who he is or, or how he's different than everything around. But he, he he kind of knows that this force is here. And I think it's from that kind of just noticing that this bone giant springs up out of the, the earth and starts just whack a uh splatting, popping. Pustules. These these uh these puscoils? No, these uh these Nurgle followers. Um and so we just get this really cool scene of this bone giant just to go to task uh, on these guys catching them by surprise and, and depleting quite a bit of their
3: force. Uh, it's true. So that that brings up the point I was kind of hoping to address in a little bit <clears throat> which is that um, can we talk a little bit about how Nagash appears in this book right like so he's kind of this boss ego right So he has this power, he has this ability. But in order to actually exert his ability, it seems to take a little bit out of him that he's not able to replace. Right? So, Arkan talks a little bit about how every day the same thing happens. Every day the same cycle repeats itself.
0: Mm. No, I think that's a good parallel to have right now rather than wait to the end. Yeah, he, so I, I think he, so there's a, a moment where he and Nagesh speak.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: and after they're done talking, it's not a very like substantive conversation, but after Nagash, the, the presence of Nagash leaves, uh, I think, or, or towards the end, Narcan says like, we had this conversation yesterday. Um, like, so there's this, again, that, the idea of a, a senile um, entity that again, it doesn't, isn't as attached to his form and his plans and all those kinds of things that he once was. Um, and and to your point, yeah, I mean he's I mean he's a he's a battery that recharges, and when he exerts himself, he he depletes some of that. And the part of what he wants to do is he needs about a century of rest, um, and is what he kind of talks about in order to replenish himself. And what's at risk here is that he's in like we said he's in sticks, he's in this Styx.
1: Yeah, He's in I mean, this well, realm like below the realms.
0: Issue. He's in this realm below the realms, this or below the realm of Shaiish in this pocket place, similar to Ilarial, right? Um, and part of what sprung out of here is that there's these gates that lead to Stigix and they, there's nine of them. They appear every, every year they change. Every nine months. Every nine, every nine months.
4: months. Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, they change locations in the realms. <clears throat> Finding them is hard to impossible. Um, and Gorm has has found out where one is at the moment, and so part of the goal of the of Gorm, not necessarily the order of the fly, is to find Nagash, and and while his battery is depleted, crush his life, snuff him mm-hmm. out. Um, and so what, but what Nagash needs is to be left alone and to be able to, to have that time to recharge after. Um, Reel, he's still reeling from this recent defeat by Arkham. Um So. To recap that, but you're you're absolutely right, Paul. Like there's this there's this conversation that seems to happen every day, with you know, and, and uh, a point of sympathy for Nagash, right? Uh, a place. I mean, if you've ever, if you've ever been with a loved one who every day, you know, you every time you see them, they're asking like, "Who are you?" Um, you know that that sort of thing is um, kind of what Archon is is experiencing with Nagash. Is that you know he's he's expresses loyalty to this all-powerful being who doesn't necessarily remember who he is or 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 what what is what he's supposed to be doing right now i
2: haven't i haven't, ex- seen, I haven't experienced, experienced it but i have, have seen 51st state the movie which the is basically States, States. the same thing um this is, uh, this is a little far thanks david uh this is a little far field but it, it's just worth mentioning just as a thought um I think this story really highlights the fact of, or, or, or gives you reason to sympathize with Nagash because he's so like looking forward past the age of he's so like ticked off that sigmar is stealing his souls and like the way you read it especially from the stormcast perspective you're like oh man stop being so mad like why, why are you so grumpy it, he needs those souls right he needs that to like to replenish himself and so like he's he's you know hurting especially in, through the age of chaos and you know just an old man it's talking about now, um you know shaking his fist at sigmar for stealing all his his souls well i mean he, he's in rough shape without him. Like he needs that to get you know back to full power. And I guess I never really realized that, that until I read this book. And it 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 makes it easier to be on his side, at least from that that particular argument. Yeah. Well, and even from a, a more grounded perspective, right?
3: neferata and Archon, like they're literally dealing with an insane god, right? And this insane god has the power to kill them at any moment. Those and are the worst every gods. day they have to deal with his insanity. Yeah. It is just such a like. I mean, there's a conversation between Neferada and Archon talking about how do you do this? Right? Like, how do you deal with this insane god coming to you every day? Because Archon is basically his lodestone, right? Like, uh, Reynolds, I don't know if it's Reynolds or uh, etc. but they've talked about how Nagash is this all powerful being, but he has put small parts of himself into the Mortarks, right? Mm-hmm. And so those are his touchstones, right? So when he gets to a point where he is not able to be himself, such as when Archaon destroys him, and he has to bring himself back to who he was. Part of that process is touching these lodestones of who he is in order to remember who he's supposed to be. And so part of being a Mortarch is serving this all-powerful god that will be destroyed at this point. Like, it's happened multiple times, right? that will be destroyed and then enduring his insanity until he is well enough to to start being sane but even when he is sane he's not sane right it's it's like there are these levels of insanity and this is the one that's really hard to deal with level of insanity when he's at full power is like well okay you can just make the world into what you have
2: you just described my two-year-old <laughs> <laughs> You like that one? Um, no, I, I I agree with you. It must it, it must be difficult, and I think they express the the difficulty throughout the book. You get that you get that perspective from them um, quite a bit. Uh, but we're talking to Order of the Fly, um, so they 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 deal with a a bone giant. I don't, do they do anything fancy to take him down? I think just through sheer numbers, they're able to uh, overcome him. Uh, but that's not the the last by any means or even the the most difficult of the the challenges they face uh, as they progress closer and closer to the fortress where the rest of the undead are hanging out not, you know i'm going to say undead but you know where you know uh, tamra and her followers are uh is the next one the ogres
0: uh direwolves
2: oh dire how could i forget the direwolves oh man what a dummy <laughs>
0: Well, and there's this, there's, what's cool about the description of the direwolves is they talk about how fast they move, uh, faster than, than a living being could. And so, um, uh, and they, they kind of pour through, so they're set up as in camps, um, and they kind of pour through into the camp in these kind of outer rings. And you kind of, you can definitely, I feel like, imagine like a knightly army set up in, in their kind of class system and, you know, inner rings, outer rings, and mm. probably a jousting court somewhere. Right.
2: Well, there's got to be.
0: Got to be. Um, so I think Dire Wolves hit, but but it's not too far after that that uh, um, that you get a sense, yeah. And there's even a moment where there, there's some of this again. Nagash is kind of flitting from the, you know, he's seeing through the eyes of different beings of dead, you know, dead beings.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but we get, yeah, we get this idea of these 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 ogres torn from their slumber. And I didn't get it right away. I thought, you know, we had these... I thought it was zombie ogres. Right. But it right. turns out to be
1: what? Much more interesting.
0: Way more interesting.
1: What is it? What is it? They're like wraith ogres, right? Like, there are these weird ghostly ogres. And it's, uh, you know, so some characteristic of ogres is this um, idea that they're always hungry. And you can take that into, like, a internally hungering spirit. Like, that's a that's a pretty cool thing to, to grab. So yeah um, yeah, so these um, hungering spirits, hungering ogre spirits,
0: and they do quite the number on on this camp. Um, one, I think they hit while they're sleeping, um, which is pretty devastating. and they're just hard to hard to stop. Um, I think it ends up being Gorm that comes in with his spale fire and some sort of protection spell that he creates um in the middle of the camp that ends up kind of helping dissipate them and Kind of call the survivors to the the center
2: and I don't, am i remembering wrong i don't even think they beat them. i think they just out they just outlast them, and eventually they like they leave yeah which is a weird i mean you're not that's not common like in terms of these stories and seeing these battles written out that just sometimes you just gotta hunker down and wait for the bad guys to go away um which i thought was delightful also i didn't want to see the ogres get beat so kudos to you ronald <laughs>
0: Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think they, they make it through a lot of that. They kind of, um, uh, they definitely get pounded down quite a bit. Um, I think there's, I was trying to think if there was another, anything else with Nagash during this time. Um, we do get a glimpse of Manfred, um, early on when Nagash is kind of floating between things that, that, uh, Manfred is fighting alongside some uh some humans perhaps is it the um
2: david you wanted to talk about this
0: yeah go ahead david
1: i mean it's a it's a flashback to hellstone which yeah. is uh something that we'll see again later so this is like how hellstone fell right yep yeah. uh, and then later there'll be a return to hellstone uh with the audio dramas um, yeah so it's it's a one of those things where like you don't have to know you don't have to notice the connection but it, it's a pretty fun thing for those you know like they, they like seeding in those things they're like oh i know who that is or i know where that is or you know just throwaways thing to, to reward somebody who's been um you know kind of reading broadly yeah. of the age of sigmar
2: fiction sure well and so- it takes well, just real quick, it just it just takes the infinite, you know, the the nigh infinity of the moral realms and really cements a lot of the stories and the places and the locales and the things. Um, because it, it, I can imagine for somebody just jumping into it, it it seems real daunting. But when you, you pepper this stuff in, yeah. um, it makes it that much more digestible. It, it it makes it so you know not not relatable in that you relate to them, but you, it's you're able to pick out recognizable places and things, and that really sure. draws you in. Yeah, yeah
0: we get our oh go ahead yeah go ahead paul uh
3: this is, i'm probably gonna sound like an idiot but um in the audio dramas why change they, yeah <laughs> exactly that's why i continue to keep talking uh manfred ends up harnessing these ogres to fight against um his opponents right
2: do you think it's the same ogres
3: and that's my question is it the same ogres because they had the red wall with the tower and then they ended up getting defeated but are these the same ogres from the audio dramas he
1: gets straight up zombie ogres though so i'm, I'm gonna say something different but, okay
2: yeah ugh JB, you're no fun right,
1: well I maybe <laughs> remember I mean, him, but i'm pretty sense. sure there's zombie do you,
0: ogres do you think yeah. that they can take like the spirits and make those into like rates yeah, and then take exactly. the bodies and make yeah. them into zombies like double the pleasure double the fun
2: that's oh wow that, that's what that means i think we use renew deep questions All right. I, love that. I love it i love it um, that was pretty cool. I was all, all about the oversight. Also, was this a classic, uh, like, ethereal situation where they couldn't damage him for a little bit, too? Anyways, that was, you know, the age-old ethereal rule.
0: Well, um, I think there's a part here where he's looking at uh, Manfred, and we get our kind of first um, sense of how Nagash views his Mortarks. Mm-hmm. Um, And he talks about... Um, Manfred being kind of his rebellious streak, like his, even in his sense of needing order, um, that, that Manfred is always scheming against him and always trying to do these things. And he always has to, he knows they're happening and he always has to kind of slap them down. But at the same time, he he's always letting them happen. He's always letting Manfred be Manfred. Um, and we think about, you know, kind of how he, how Manfred, you know, did did the old world in the end times? We think about how we you know thought Manfred was gonna be great in the you know be reformed in the audio drama and kind of how he ended up there, um, and you know the story of Hellstone, and just that there's the, that Manfred is that part that that Manfred is an embodiment of a part of Nagash, that that also kind of to me screams about kind of his betrayal of the Pantheon right. Um, idea that he made an oath but he's like you know my oath is really to myself um, and so you know just kind of uh, there, there's definitely a, a little bit of like a, a father son you know or a, a parent child kind of thing going on in his kind of observation of Manfred um, and we learn different things about the other Mortarks a little bit later um, but uh, this it was one of the first places we get kind of this sense that and and just like we talk about, like that, the, this place, the former em- this former empire that is now in ruins, is like Nagash's body, right? Um, these Mortarks are his embodiment, and and um, they are they are his will sent forth. This is what's left of him at the moment, mm. acting uh, acting in the world. So, too
2: true. true. Uh, do they come up against anything else?
1: Crossing not... a frozen lake right the... yeah
2: sure. classic frozen lake situation
1: gnarly zombie gargants
0: yeah and this is what made me realize think and confirm that a bone giant is different than a zombie gargant right right Tomb Abs- King. Yeah. Yeah.
2: absolutely you're um, not wrong so they find themselves uh faced with the lake that needs that needs crossing um i think it's frozen over because it's winter time that's what happens to lakes especially here yeah. um and everybody's a little, little tepid uh, as to whether or not they should cross it or how they should go about it. But of course, that you know, everybody needs to put on a show, so they're 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 gonna they're gonna cross it. And as they're making their way across the lake, um, the ice doesn't break in the traditional sense, but rather a bunch of z- zombie giants, gargants, um come crashing out of it and start you know laying waste to the army. I don't know how there's still an army left at this point. They've had a hard, right. hard, hard go of it, but uh, right. and they attack them oh no
1: and it's uh i mean but it's a cool like we've talked about the order of the fly being these crusaders and you got the uh uh you got the king arthur vibe, right well like this is perfect like like, let's bring down these monsters bring down these giants and so they you know sally forth and look to bring them down and they're struggling and fighting uh and again um the uh demon contingent comes to the rescue here and they do a pretty gnarly thing where they like uh, the giants uh, together and like make the giant that make the gargants into a bridge, yeah. But like, yeah, it's pretty gross. Um, uh, yeah,
0: so yeah, the they they manage to like defeat those these zombies, their their corpses are floating in the water. The they the the um uh, plague bearers take some of the vines from the Sylvaneth palaquin yeah. and, and the vines just kind of they self weave into the corpses and then nerdlings jump in into the middle and Balefire goes in and like melts the corpses together and fuses them yeah. um into the yeah this this giant like twitching gargant zombie uh you know wobble
1: bridge. Nerdlings are uh, so cool.
3: Did you ever <laughs> feel like this was a metaphor for assembling GW terrain with Because <laughs> that's really what it came <laughs>
0: I didn't, but now I do.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> the next time somebody's assembling a terrain, we're like, yeah, isn't it like trying to fit zo- zombie <laughs> corpses into a bridge?
1: If only I had some nurglings to straight up cram themselves in here and become glue. You know? It'd
3: be amazing.
0: And and Gorm Gorm says to one of the, like, I think he says it to Festerbite, who does not like Gorm at all. He's like, those nurglings really get in there, don't they? <laughs> yeah, he's pretty proud of that. Pretty Super great! It's like, yeah, thanks, Uncle Gorm. <laughs> so, are you drunk,
2: um, Uncle Gorm? Come on. There's,
0: there's a there here. There's also when when Festerbite kind of volunteers to go out and check the ice. He's doing so because it's his duty, but he's got some knights that are are with him, and some of them are kind of like, hey, is this. I mean, why are we doing this? You know, um, you know, why are we taking so long? We should be getting out there, and because Gorm wants the the contingent to go faster and get to the this place and just get it done with. Because he's wanting this distraction so he can go take care of this of the find this gate to Nagash. Like he wants them to go over and just like take care of them. So because he knows that his time's limited, the longer he waits for kind of to, to do this, the the more powerful Nagash will be when he shows up, right? Um and so he's, you know, there's part of Festerbytes contingent going, Hey, we should be going faster. Why are we taking so long? Um, and and Festivalite kind of brings them in line, and they kind of realize that the demons are their allies, but not their friends, right? You can, you know, they're, they're both serving Nurgle, but that doesn't mean that that they care about the what we care about. The that we're the order, of the fly. We have a um, we have a commitment to in a, a bond to the chalice, not to these these demons. Um, so the, the you know kind of cul- culminates this. Kind of thing and one of the things that uh, again gorms kind of saying hey Kong, can you guys hurry up in the middle of, of um, oh, What's his name with the W? Who's our main Will uh, is trying to do a ritual and 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 give the chalice to his knights his head knights and whatnot and kind of do this Properly and prepare them for battle and gorm just kind of j- jumps in and goes hey Kong, let's go on um, and so there's just there's this final tension that where the uh Wilgus is like, hey, you've asked us to do this, we're gonna do this our way. We've done it your way, and it's not gone well for us. So we're gonna take it from here. And this kind of makes uh um Goram impatient, and he realizes, okay, I have to expend some of my energy that I'm I've, sa- I've been saving for what when- I want to save all my magic and all my energy for when I face Nikash. But I'm going to use some of it now to put a, a tear in the uh, tear in the fabric and, and call some demons out. Um, probably should jump back to now and talk about what they've been doing in this fort.
2: Yeah, basically hanging out, just chilling. Yeah. yeah, nothing, nothing special. Well.
1: Waitin'. Uh, To be fair, what I really enjoyed about this is like the Nurgle forces all along the way, like, man, they're getting their butts kicked. Like, they're, they're suffering a lot. But meanwhile, like, it'll switch back to the fortress and they're, they're legit scared. They're like, man, I don't think there's any way we can hold out. Like, the size of this force coming in, like, let's pull everything we can together. So, like, the table is set where both forces feel like legitimately at risk, right? Like there's, there's a threat to both sides. And sometimes in these, we see one that's like super overconfident. Like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to see things through. Only the faithful. Yeah, sure. Uh, The the Nurgle forces are doubting themselves and the Tamara and her crew, they're doubting themselves. Like, man, like what, what are we going to be able to do to like somehow make our stand here? Um, And it kind of, I don't know. Somehow it it uh, because it makes the outcome in doubt, or you know that the stakes are up a little bit as, as it is where everyone thinks they're at risk. Like that makes it that much more engaging. I thought it was a I thought it was a very clever move um, to to keep you invested in both sides all, all along the way.
3: Absolutely. I I also thought it was really interesting that they had this whole tension between Tamra and the other Voivodes about whether or not they're going to stay. Or whether or not they're going to flee, right? Like
0: Well let's let's back that up and, and set that scene a little bit more. So they show up and they are yeah, all of the voivoids, so so Tamra is a voivoid. There's other voivoids. Naperata has brought them all together. Go.
3: hmm And it, it, it really is just a, this tension of the old versus the new, right? Like Tamara is a woman, she's a young younger uh voivode that kind of alluded to that at the beginning of the story they get into the idea that there are these older voivodes that have been managing their tribes forever tamra's whole tribe has already been wiped out most of their voivodes that are here their tribes have not been wiped out right they saw the writing on the wall and they came back to the castle and so there's this tension between we can't escape if we want to but tamra's like but if we escape we just keep running Right. But there's also this tension of do we prepare for the fight? Do we split our forces? What's the best way to actually manage this crisis? And meanwhile, we have Neferata and even um, Neferata's lieutenant, which I'm completely blanking on the name at the moment. Adima. Adima, uh, who are really playing on Tamara's emotions and they're setting up this decision that she has to make that we're not really privy to Um, and this decision is basically whether or not she's going to be the one who chooses to lead this army right and it leads her to this terrible choice of going back to the beginning how we're talking about how this has ruined civilization and these are the remains of what this great civilization was and the great civilization was led by these kings and they basically rose too high for their station. And so Nagash came through who knows how long ago and smashed them to pieces and divided them into these disparate small clans as opposed to this immense great civilization that they once were. However, these kings are still there. They are undead and they are trapped within a prison and Tamara can hear them and so Neferata is preparing her to make the decision to allow these kings to be released. But, of course, Nagash still has the memories of who he was, even if he doesn't have control over his senses. And Neferata cannot betray Nagash's command that they be imprisoned. But if Tamra makes this choice, then it's not Neferata being disobedient. Right. It's Tamra.
1: Right.
0: What else do we have in this? Um, so yeah, we've got this conclave of, of voivoids all leading the different parts of these these people that are the broken remnants of the, the broken kings, which are the, the ones who were punished for, for defying Nagash, trying to decide whether or not they're going to stay and defend or flee to the Rhyme Islands. Um, are they getting their longboats and shove off, or are they going to try and protect the north? Um, we've, yeah, you said we've got, we've got the old and the new, we've got, yeah, Tamra is seen as fairly young. Um, but Neferata's taken a to tour. Uh, there's some, I, I I really enjoy the interactions between Tamra, Neferata and Edema. There's just a kind of this, uh, some of it's just a, some of it's a cattiness, some of it's a, um. Uh, some of it is a kind of distrust from Edema towards mortals, right? Now that she's lived so long as a as a vampire, um, but we also find out that Edema and her sisters are also part of this um, a part of this clan, I think, or part of this kingdom that uh, that was destroyed. But instead of being destroyed, that Neferta had had taken them and allowed them to, uh, live in and seek vengeance, um, or not live on live. Um, <laughs> uh, and so there's a little bit more of a twist there where, um, you know, I think a demo once was a Voivode or something to that effect in, in some of this clan. And so there's a little bit of like, you know, again, old, new, uh, does this new, this young girl have the strength that we need? Um there's a couple other yeah there's there's another group that gets called into here does anybody want to
2: well yeah, I mean just to up, like just recap, hash what we talked about I think what we're getting a lot from from the death side of things is is a series of choices right do we stay do we go? do we enlist the help of the the undead kings or do we leave them locked up um, and furthermore there's there's another opportunity for choices do, do we ally ourselves with this? Kingdom, this this group, I don't know, whatever the term is for a group of um uh, uh oh gosh, what are they called? Flesh, flesh eater courts. Know. Yeah. Um, because not only are there, you know, the, the, the kings of old and in, in their sort of ghost shapes, there's also other kingdoms that were uh driven feral by Nagash as well. And so they find in the hills this you know contemporary kingdom of of those kings that have fallen um in the form of a flesh-eater court and I love these guys. Uh, up until this point, I have had no real interest in flesh eater courts whatsoever. I thought it was a little um, shoehorned in, just sort of the idea of how to, you know, be creative with the way uh, these flesh eater courts work. But this is the, a prime example of of how I think they should be implemented, and a unique way to sort of use that classic mad group of feral humanoids who who think of delusions of grandeur and, and what have you because it's 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 that to a t you've got this this kingdom that has fallen um in in shyish who have been turned into these you know mad cannibalistic uh creatures um who in the story still think that they are this, this mighty kingdom but obviously we all know that all know that they're not and it's a matter of trying to convince them not not trick them per se but coerce them into um defending this the stronghold that they're using so it's it's an example of the death faction um trying to use all the resources available to them even if they have to call on a you know a, a mad king and his cannibalistic followers um there's the whole thing about the king thinking that a, um tamra is like his long-lost sister though like he deep down he knows not really like he knows he's crazy but like he's still like just what he has to deal with um yeah.
1: Like you, every once in a while, you surfaces and realize, like, yeah, I don't know, like, I I know that I'm wrong, but then like drops back into yeah, it. Like not worth sense it. Sense. Like,
2: I'm not
1: gonna mess with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Once, once they, if they when they, they get
0: into battle, and there's this or a couple of those moments where I think they, you know like, they get struck, or you know, he he strikes this um, light king or this knight, and his his followers jump on them and start ripping them apart, and for a moment he sees it as these monsters ripping apart this corpse and then he it, like his brain realigns and he's like, no, no, it's, it's my, my warriors dispatching with, you know, this sort of thing. And, and like he uh, for a moment, like he's like looking at one of his servants and he sees two faces um, and he's trying to figure out which one is the right one. And one is of this, you know, bestial thing. And one is, uh, you know, this, this, you know, uh, knightly warrior or whatever. And so, yeah, that, that whole like crazy King, um, you know, the, you know all the all the things that are described in the Flesh Eater Court b- book about their delusions and and who they think they are compared to who they are is is used in in small amounts, but just enough to where you you get it. Like the the um, um, vampire, what is it called? The Barwolf. No, the, what's the king called in in uh, in the Flesh Eater Court book? The Anybody? You no, it's
3: on my head. Strigoi. He was called this
0: The Ghoul King. The Ghoul there King. Go. Uh, this <laughs> you Ghoul King. <laughs> <laughs> so this That's Ghoul King. It's a vampire. Has a very like, uh, you know, is a very. It just again, seems like kind of a an old king, um. But he, yeah, he slashes this guy with his claws, and he's like, not my claws. No, not my claws. My sword, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So they, they, play, play that real, real well. It's it's subtle in a couple of spots but they, they, the creep factor is high uh, with them as well. Uh, and can, I, cool.
3: can I just say there's an amazing moment of brilliance here in this writing. Uh, so he's got Tamra, right? And she's got these two allies. And one of them is her ancestors that have been banished, right? By Nagash. And the other one is this crazy ghoul king who is controlled with an overwhelming force. And if we look at the book as a whole, We look at the Mortarks and we've got Neferada and Archon and they have this overwhelming force that is crazy that they have to listen to because he has this immense power and he's using all of the things that he's defeated in order to fight the army. So Tamra is literally facing the choice that Nagash is forcing his Mortarks to face in this book. It's an amazing amount of foreshadowing and just well-written
4: characterization. Well, to well I think this
0: out. there's a few pieces we haven't talked about yet that, that highlight that. So I think that, that case becomes more as we reveal a few things. One, um, so there's these broken kings that, as we mentioned, have, have called out to her to free them. And Neferata spent some time working with her to show her that that she can silence them. Right? that they call out to her, and if she wants them to be silenced, she can silence them with her will. And Neph- uh, Tamara, doesn't realize this yet, but, but Nephrata speaks to Adima in private, and or maybe to herself as she's talking about this, and this was a point that, that we talked about just briefly that, uh, in some of the reading that I got through today, but she re- reveals to the reader that Tamara is the only one strong enough to do this. There hasn't been a voivoid or a necromancer strong enough to release the broken kings, um, and so. But she talks to Tamara, just kind of keeps dropping these things. Oh, you could if you wanted to, you know. Have you tried? You know, what if what if you release them? And she, you know, Tamara's like, well, should I release them? Do you want me to? And and Nefra was like, no, no, yeah, I, that would be, you know, that's against Nagesh's will, and I don't have that power. I don't have the power. I'm a Mortarch, but I don't have the power to go against Nagash. I am an extension of him, but if you wanted to, right, he doesn't notice you, you know, it's not a thing. So there's this, this interesting, we find out that, that Tamra is, is immensely powerful, uh, more powerful than she knows. Um, and she, we know that these these broken kings are calling to her. And and Neferatu talks about how uh, at this point when Tamra's not around, where she hopes that, Tamara does the right thing and releases them and they will be um, there for Tamara to control and that together with that army neferata will be able to shape Shaiish in her image because because Nagash is is um, is not going to be able to so she can make the moves to form it in her image and this is where she and then she mentions that she'll call it new Lamia. Um, So we get also another timeline thing there because in the, the Legion of Nagash book, you know, she's already established a new Lamia um, and which is, which is kind of cool. But we also get a part where we, we get Nagash's perspective on Neferata and um, Archon uh, that Neferata is his guile, is his cunning, is his scheming and planning. And that um, he gives her that space to, to be that and to do that um up until the point at which it no longer serves him right i mean uh so even though she's thinking about shaping the the shyish in her own her own image like that's it seems like that's just nagash's thought and her image is going to end up being his image right there's not a way she gets out of that cycle or that kind of um that service right She, she can't truly go against him um,
2: Whether she knows it or not,
0: right, right, right. Like, there's just not, there's not that free will that she's seems to think she has. Um, and then, same with and and Archon, his, he's he literally talks about him as being a mini me. Like Archon is is his loyalty, and it talks about Nagash's loyalty to his servants, to the living and the dead that are in Shaiish and to Shaiish itself. Yeah. Um, but that he's. But these mortarchs are still so insignificant compared to him. Um, so, so we get again this this idea, and, and to your point, Paul, is that Nagash uses death to these dead things to whatever he wants, and we'll we'll see a little bit like the ultimate penulti- or the, the ultimate form of that uh, uh, in a minute. But but uh, but yeah, and so um, we get to the point of battle. We talked about the the flesh eater courts are coming in they're fighting the um zombies the the voivoids are controlling zombies to try and like instead of just raising them up and saying go they have to really kind of control them to get them to go where they need them to go in mass um the blood knights are there to kind of wait for the right time to go in and do the most damage uh which is literally how they play on the battlefield yeah like you freaking just gotta find a way to wait you let the zombies go in and, and make sure you don't get charged because uh, they'll get taken out, and then you go in and do the most damage you can. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, it also made me wonder, like, why don't why don't we get some of their spells? Like, why doesn't Nefarata make a unit fly and make them immune to uh, rend? <laughs> As
2: it says in the book, and Neferata casts her magic spell, and now they're immune to. Me rend no, um and from the other perspective like because from the nurgle side of things uh the the herald starts pulling out the stops we referenced before but he opens up a rift and he starts pouring some demons in in his mind a little and everyone's mind a little prematurely um but to to take out you know all the allies that the the death have sort of accumulated is what he needs to do to pull out all the stops so you know yeah. flies come buzzing in plague drones and the whole you know the whole nine yards um to sort of rise to the occasion to, to, to you know reach equal footing uh, of the death army yeah. that they're they're facing
1: um and the fortress goes down right
2: yeah
0: like, oh big time
1: and but yeah. it happens quick and, and uh it's another thing again like ditching expectations i'm expecting the end of this book is going to be this huge long siege and he's just like nope fortress fell that's it
2: well, nope. well uh, walgus yeah. thought it was going to be a siege too right that's what yeah. that was everyone's intention is to, yeah. the face of a siege but um but the demon smash it yeah, down Exactly, Harold. The Harold uh, is on a, on a timeline. They only got a couple months to find Nagash, and so that's why they're they're pushing forward. And that's a big internal struggle between the two of them. We don't need to get too much into it, but just basically, they're they're the, the battle of wills between Wolgus, a, a patient t- tactician, versus the mm, the haste that the demons are throwing at it.
0: Cool, but, yeah. where Tamra is up on the top kind of parapet of of this castle and it smashes down like the walls twist and start to fall. And she leaps off of it and the spirits call, she calls the spirits to her and they, they kind of let her down a little more gently than if she were to smash. Uh, that was real cool. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, yeah, so they kind of, some, they've had some long boats out on the, harbor? Out on the docks on the harbor, yeah, docks. waiting to like fill if we have they have to retreat to fill and go. Um, What's what's Arcan been doing while well, everybody so else is on been, the
1: ice conducting some been, kind of ritual? Oh yeah, what's <laughs> that about? Yeah, it's all part of a plan, right? Like he's actually just buying time. The whole thing, he knows the fortress is going down, but it's gonna burn some time. Give him a chance to do his ritual here. What's yeah, ritual doing
2: exactly do? what's the ritual do, Davey?
1: He's summoning someone.
3: I have a picture. Do you want to see the picture of what the <laughs> ritual does?
2: You sounded so intimidating when you said that.
3: I have a picture. All right, you see this right here? This is from Mantras Arcanum. This is called the Necrofex Colossus. So this is what Arcan summons. All right? Well. It was one of my favorite moments of the book. <laughs> Easily and, favorite moments of the book.
4: Well,
0: and so what, there's this point where he speaks to Nagash and he asks Nagash, can you help me lift, like summon these, these, the dead from the, the depths of the sea? And Nagash says, what good are you? Like, what, what? can't you do anything yourself? And he goes, well, I could do about a third of this on my own. And so Nagash decides that he should be conserving his energy. Mm-hmm. But if he does this now, perhaps that will allow him the peace to have his 100-year slumber. Yeah. And so th- what we just find out at first is that they just need to raise these zombies or whatever from the depths. Um, and we also find out that Arcan is the one who told... Gurm about where the this gate was located. Yeah. So what he had found out is that that Garm had had gotten this reputation, um, and and Arcan was actually niffed. Like once once he found out that that Gurm had taken the the Sylvaneth of the Dead Forest or whatever it was called, where that was in service to one of the um, they they protected one of the gates to Shaiish. And once he found out that he had twisted them and tortured them in such a way, he was like that they don't deserve that, which was weird. It was like what? He's yeah. What do you have? The soft
4: spot for yeah. <laughs> a tree? Tree uh, But
0: he, um, and so uh, he has this conversation with Nagash, and Nagash so kind of helps out. So he had planned all this to to to, to lure. Um, gorm to this spot even though like like he he's nagash <laughs> as bait <laughs> um which is pretty like a little bit dangerous right
2: well gutsy yeah um,
0: yeah um and so um he pulls uh, gorm comes onto the ice with his his demons they start coming after Arkan. uh arcane like cuts down his palaquin and lets the spirits escape and then uh, this, this boat kind of comes out of the water and the spirits inhabit the wood of the boat and kind of lash out at Gorm. Uh, so all this kind of stuff, but, but yes, all of a sudden the ice starts to crack and this giant, yeah, Paul,
2: he's still showing that still showing that they
0: this giant, it's so good. Well, what's, what's this giant golem of zombies? Twisted and, and mashed into the shape of a giant humanoid figure of Nagash. So like Nagash decides to embody this thing. It's and, awesome. It's so and cool. and to the point, I mean, Tamara looks up at this and everybody looks up at this in such horror at the disrespect Nagash has for the dead.
4: Yeah. Like
0: just the sense that he just does not does not have any they, they just are nothing to him.
2: Sure, they're tools to be used, and no, no dignity uh, to them at all. And uh, it's basically game over. Like because of that, like I mean, you're you're dealing even with a half-powered god, but like. Uh, and just
0: before this, just re- oh, shoot, 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 aside, Tamra, lets the broken kings go. Okay, yeah. back to what you're saying. Which,
2: which, though, I mean, you bring a qu- good point. It seemed fairly inconsequential. Like, I, I maybe they would have fallen yeah. had they not released them. But like in the grand scheme of things, like. When you know you have this, you know, atom bomb at the end, if only she would have known, I guess, like she probably could have kept her her stuff
4: going.
0: I think Arkan had hoped that she didn't, wasn't sure if she would. Um, We find out that Nafrata was the one whispering into the ears of the Broken Kings that caused them to rebel against Nagash.
2: Yeah, so it's her fault.
0: And so they, and they remember that. And the, the, um, the Flesh Eater Court Ghoul King remembers that. We find out that the that the broken kings are the the ancestors of the drac. That the ghoul king is ancestors of the drac, Um, and so like this is like generational, like the the dead of all the generations of the dead of the drac are here in the broken kings, in the in the ghoul king and his flesh eaters, Um, and and now, so well I guess we'll come to that at the very end. Um, Nagash comes out and and whoops them.
2: Yeah, everybody gets everybody gets destroyed. Um, I'm trying to think who who one on ones like so like Volgas one on ones. Neferata, is it? Is yeah, yep. Yeah. So this is where
0: she actually does use some spells. She like is on her her abyssal terror. She's flying over some ner- the the army. She tells it to land. She arcane bolts somebody. She goes in and, and she gets out. Um, her, her sword of jet, yeah, which, uh, which, which when it's her
3: brother's sword,
0: right? Uh, we're talking uh, Nefrata, yeah.
3: Oh, I'm sorry, sorry.
0: So the the her MX car or whatever it is, um. And so she fights Wogan Wogus, and uh, she uses Mystic Shield real quick. So there's a couple of those that are kind of cool. Yeah, it's Mystic
2: uh, Shield sticks out. I got it. <laughs> can't, can't just call it.
1: Uh yeah. Wolgus fighting her and he, he almost takes her down. Like he surprises her, right? Like yep. yeah. fast uh, fatties. Yeah, fast fatties. That is actually, a recurring <laughs> that's a recurring theme with uh, Nurgle dudes is like, oh it moved much faster than they expected. Like they don't walk
2: like they fast, but
0: once they're planted, they have good core. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true.
2: So basically in every and, it, at almost every level, I'm pretty sure the, the death side of things overcomes the, the, the Nurgle side. Um, Neferatus yeah. Blood Knights take out a bunch of Nurgle, uh, the, the, the flesh eater courts do, do their work, the undead kings do their, you know, the broken kings do their work. Obviously, bite, it's
1: straight up drowned by the Ghoul King. Oh, well, yep. yeah, underwater. That was, that was a little sad moment yeah. for me. I like Festerbite. Yeah,
2: Festerbite was, yeah, okay,
1: exactly. That was crazy. He just jumps
0: in, and he's like holding him underwater and talking to, are you okay, my sister?
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was legit. We don't We don't get into MVPs later, but uh, uh, Rickon is the ghoul king. He's, Rickon, he's yeah. my dude. He's my king. he's my MVP. King Rickon. Um, yeah. Um, so the end result is, is that Nagash and his followers are are triumphant. They they do a job, ish esque. Yeah. yeah what, what do you say, ish?
0: So once all the Nurgle all the Nurgle army is just gone, Gorm gets pulled underwater and drowned. All his demons are are banished. All the um, the order of the fly is annihilated. Mm-hmm. Um, Nagash turns his gaze to to Archon. He says, "Have you? Did you know? He knows that the broken kings have been released, and he is not happy about it." That his his rule has been undone
2: and he's not a happy dude to begin with so for no, him no. To be unhappy
0: is like yeah it's like it's like senile guy like senile uh god is like snapped to attention like okay i got this yeah, i know
2: i know what's up and uh, so he turns his focus on on Tamara because like either she admits to it or he, he just knows that she's the one to release him and she she makes a i think in my mind a very valiant defense of why she did what she did she's trying to save her people and she thought at the time that was the only way to do so. This was a power that she needed. I mean, she didn't know, didn't know that Nagash was coming. So, like, it, it was a last-ditch effort.
0: Can your you, people?
2: Yeah, can you blame her? Yeah, but Nagash responds with, not your people, my people. You misunderstand. All Everyone is my people. Um. And so it's sort of a back and forth where she's trying to, you know, get some sort of clemency or some sort of mercy. And so he, he grants her mercy, but not in the way she expects. Well, but not uh, – and also not until – Arcan and
0: Neferata. Yeah, they intercede go, on behalf. And Neferata bends
2: the knee and begs him. Begs, and he's even like begs. Who do you think this is? Yeah. Well,
3: she's not Setra, all right. She's just. Not Setra.
0: <laughs> well, and and uh, that, that gets mentioned later, but uh, they only bow to to their god, right? Yeah. To the the to death itself, um, and and. Nagash grants her mercy. He gives her the power of a of a Mortark? Of a Death Lord.
2: I don't know what a Death Lord is. Is that a thing? That's the faction that the,
3: Mortark's, the faction are that Mortarks are in. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that.
2: That's cool. And <laughs> and what what's a what's a Death Lord without a bunch of undead doing control, right?
0: And and he says, I will I will save your people. And he kills every single last one of them. And brings all of the boat carrying the people back to the harbor, just full of de- full of the dead, full of skeletons, yeah. of her people that were just alive thirty minutes before that that had escaped, and he brings okay. them to her service.
3: Careful what you asked for. Says, Here are your people,
0: and and she just feels how like she like. In in granting her this power, like he's just stripped her a part of a part of herself, um, and who she is. So somehow, she is left with maybe some reflection of who Nagash is, um, and uh, and is now has her people to, and she realizes like that like she like her whole thing has been, after this battle is done, I'm going I'm not going to be, a queen next to Neferata. I'm not going to go see the sights all over shyish you know that neferata promises her i'm gonna be here for my people this is now her her fate is she is yeah. tied to to her people now
3: she has sounds like she's a tomb king is it? i mean i know she's got her people and she's here to lead them no
1: tomb and... no stretch
2: <laughs> hashtag, hashtag, Paul theories. Um.
0: <laughs> um, but, but, and, and then at the, I mean, this again is she is now forced to like, but she looks out to her people, the broken kings, the the these white kings, uh, these wraiths, these um, all this kind of stuff, and and they need her now. They have sworn fealty to her. They are under her control.
4: Sure.
0: She must. She has to do that she she tells Neferata to leave Because get out of here
2: Arcan does too I think
0: well, and then yeah, Arcan comes to her side and and asks Neferrada to go Neferata says maybe in time you'll see what what I've given you, even though it wasn't exactly as I planned, so like Neferata was promising her to that she'd be a queen uh you know amongst the dead but this is I don't this is not exactly what Neferrata was planning mm-hmm. um. But she thinks that in time, uh Tamara will forgive her.
1: But it's another good thing with Neparada as she's written here, is like she's got some resiliency, which we've not seen before. Like yeah. she doesn't just fall out. apart. Right, exactly. Yeah.
0: So and she doesn't get provoked. There's this one moment they're talking about how the three of the main Mortarks, how they play their games, and how she she and, and Manfred would would provoke wars just to amuse themselves. And then, uh, and they do the same with Archon, but Archon would say one thing and Manfred would turn from a a brilliant tactician to this like childhood rivalry and just become an idiot and, you know, like take it too personally. Um, So there's, yeah, these different personalities, but yeah, she, she's just not easy to provoke and she knows when maybe it's time to, to submit and when it's time to bow out and when it's time to let things settle and, and she plays the long game, right? Um. But That's it's true. just, it's super interesting how, again, how the Mortarks you know, saw within her something that, and I don't know, is she a new Mortarch? Is she, or is just a Death Lord, you know, Death Mages is, is would be the faction she was in before. They specifically say Death Lord.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so, and they talk about there being nine Mortarks for the nine gates and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know.
2: I would say yes. I mean, I'd say no because Reynolds doesn't get to pick what the uh, Mortarcs are, but um, yeah, but we shall see. Right? We'll, we'll we'll find out. Um, but I think
3: but at Akon, they did say there are more death models coming. There are oh, yeah. more new death models coming.
2: I, I don't doubt that one whatsoever. Um, so but maybe I, I think that's basically where it ends, though. In that, yep. Tamara realizes that dead or alive, her people needed her. That's a direct quote right there. Um, she was a daughter of the dragon; she could do no less. So yeah. I think she rises to the, rises to the occasion.
0: Well, um, so she's a less dark, <laughs> or no less dark.
2: I I give you credit. You get a point for that one.
0: Davey's uh, pun. I'm just using it.
2: <laughs> yeah. that I love is. it. I love it. <laughs> What's, What's
0: that?
1: I'm asking if you get the credit or. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm fine <laughs> giving you the credit. I'm I'm enjoying your pun.
2: Half, <laughs> half credit for the both. Yeah. Um. So right. I guess where, where does that leave? <laughs> where does that leave everyone uh this this grouping of the order of the flyer has been smashed though i think the the legend or the the wisdom of blightmaster wolgus lives on um because he's referenced in a lot of other books like other order of the fly folks know him and know his his legendary tact tactics or you know his 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 fortitude on the battlefield um Nagash is still safe like he, he, he expended some energy but he's still out there kicking, you know, re- rejuvenating himself. Uh, he's got his sharks still in, in I effect.
0: Think, I think Archon confirms, like, he will now slumber for a hundred years.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: So, like, That's we know that... He's, he's still groggy when we eventually see him in the Age of Sigma. Oh, like, Where's my coffee? Where's well, my and, coffee?
3: And,
2: you know, we don't need to get too coffee. much into it, but, like, a lot of these chapters of this book start in the same way that, like, the intros for all the audio dramas start, where Nagash is like, it seems like he's waking up from a dream a little He's like... <gasps> i'm super cool like everybody's everything's still mine right like it's a lot of he's repeating a lot of the same refrain and actually got repetitive a little bit but i think i, I understand why um
0: what is it, but that's all he thinks about yeah that's the only thing he's like how do do i control everything still yeah
2: but, he's like he's like, doing in
0: a hole scrooge mcduck except for his vault is full of bones sure
2: <laughs> still swims in him like a like a pool uh yeah and tamra's leading her her undead uh clans you know from 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 the north so i think that's where where our groups our major our players land at the end of the end of the book
0: all right what should we do now what should we talk about i've got a couple of questions uh do you have questions
2: i we covered a lot of my questions so i don't, I don't need to get in get into any of mine. Well, does anybody got some burning stuff they want to talk about
0: if Tamara is a mortark what is she the the mortark of
4: mm.
3: despair Kicking the butt. Of despair because Nergal came. They're taking away hope. She is the more
1: of despair. Calling so She the more of hope.
2: No, contrary. Ooh, yeah. fight, fight, fight.
0: I was, I was thinking more of the ages. Sure. Ancestry and or
4: rock, rock of ages. More,
1: more rock workshop it we'll get back to it yeah we'll figure
2: it out well what else what else you got
0: you had mentioned mvps
2: sure 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 i reckon's my dude i liked uh it was it was like the perfect embodiment of like the flesh eater courts and although it's like quintessentially that i don't know why but like it was the first time he was the first time it ever resonated with me before i guess it just today it clicked i guess um he's feral but also had like a legitimate like claim to a throne which i don't know i've gotten a lot of that from the other you know, couple of fictions that we've read for the shitty reports. Um, plus, I like the idea of, like, I've don't know, i always been a sucker for, like, reaching out to some, like, misunderstood force out there and using it to, like, you know, defend whatever. Kind of, like, I don't know, not the same thing, but, like, the Ghost in Lord of the Rings right at the, that last right. battle. Like, um, somebody who maybe should no reason to help you, but ends up doing it. That's, like, a trope that I like. But give me some other MVPs. I love Neferata. I thought she was fantastic. Like, Tavi said. She loves you.
3: Out. Oh, does that mean she's going to try and turn me into a Mortar? Because that might not work out well.
2: Yeah, we'll see.
3: Uh, just fully fleshed out as a character. I've always liked her background, her model, et cetera, in, even in the old world. So it's awesome to see her actually written well and with character and interest. So that's fantastic.
1: I'm going to go order the fly slash uh, festerbite. Um Without good like without engaging antagonists, uh, the story would not have nearly been as strong as it was, and uh, they're super interesting, and uh, helped it helped it be a whole cohesive thing that you're interested all the way through.
0: And I'm gonna pick Tamara because nobody else did. Mm-hmm. Um, just her relationship to the dead um, is is something that that's fresh and new. Um, the idea that the dead are those to not just be respected but to be commun- in community with. Um, and wrestling with the power to, she has the power to control the dead without their, their will, but choo- you know, how she chooses to, um, work with them and, and, you know, wor- you know, not, not bend them, but, uh, you know, lead them, you know? Um, and so I think that, uh, and this idea that she's just a part of this family, uh, that is uh, going to be a force in the in in the realm of shyish and can't wait to see if if we get to see more of them in this series or if there is a series or you know that you know josh reynolds throws these characters and keeps them throughout other things so i'm excited to see if if uh, clan rictus uh mortark rictus uh or van drek or whatever it is um continues in another book
2: Hint hint reynolds
0: yeah, <laughs> you gotta keep writing stuff
2: about for all my, the stuff for my pleasure. <laughs> uh, what are the questions you got? Anybody else?
3: Dealer. All right,
2: let's let's do let's do final reviews. Anything that we hadn't talked about, like the, what made you like it? Man, um, I, mean, I already talked about all the things I liked, but I'm just gonna reiterate. It was it was a great. Uh, I liked the setting. It was a window into. Um, a time period that we haven't read about before it's informing the the present day fiction that we're reading these days um it's a glimpse of uh undead or you know the, the death faction from uh from a more protagonistic perspective um and even the an interplay between death and and nurgle it, it, it was like two sides that you typically end up rooting against and i like that i was able to root for both of them um yeah. which was unique and fresh and all all that jazz um the characters were great either both the ones that we've known before, you get them a new, uh, in a new light and a new perspective. And then the new ones are also uh, fresh as well. And uh, one, one of the better one of the better reads. I'm not going to give it a number, but uh, Reynolds, you've done it again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I already talked about a lot of things I liked about it. Um, I'll say two big things. Uh, one, it increased the breadth of our knowledge about the Age of Sigmar universe, where we learned a lot more about how Shyish works and the depth where we learned a lot more about how Nagash, who's a character we already knew, we learned more about his background, uh, how he came to be in the Sigmar's Pantheon. He was imprisoned by the Chaos Gods in a a crypt of forgotten moments, which, mmm, delicious phrase, right? Um, And Sigmar, you know, retrieved him from that. So we get some idea of, like, how he joined the Pantheon and how that fractured. So uh, increasing both the breadth and depth of our knowledge about the Age of Sigmar universe, world, whatever, really strong for, for both those reasons. Paul? Uh,
3: I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it was written really, really well. Uh, the, but the only thing that holds it back is that it's just <gasps> something that I'm really interested in, right? Like I'm not a huge fan of death.
1: So it's a not failing. On your part.
3: Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I definitely enjoyed reading it. I didn't put it down, uh, et cetera, but like, it was not something that there was any point that I was like, yeah, this is amazing, which I've done in most of our notes, other books when he talked about Spider Fang, when, uh, Spirit <laughs> yeah, Shadows, et cetera. Of course. of course, of course. I'm a very specific man of a very specific taste. So um, I would probably give it six out of eight. Uh, I really enjoyed reading it and glad I read it. It really expanded on Mortal Realms, but it wasn't uh, forces that I really pushed me towards uh, a, a different appreciation. I thought it was really good, but yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it 500 zombies out of 500 zombies, uh, mashed into a you golem feel that crashing, that crashing out of the ocean in order to grab Nurgle and pull it to the depth. That's my rating scale for this one. Sure, um, sure. I, I, there were so many just kind of these cool moments, uh, popping out of, you know, taking golem or, you know, a bone giant, taking dire wolves, taking, you know, uh, spectral ogres, um all these things that I wish I could see on the table with the, the, the death line. I think there's so many room, so much room to kind of like uh, mix and match things. Um, And, and, and then at the same time, like just flips this relationship, like, like the death faction is, is the protagonist, like is the hero in this, like, and and you feel it, you know? Um, So I I think that's, I, I didn't think that there'd be so much sentiment in a book that focuses on death. Oh man, it's a
1: lot of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, a cool thing is like uh, the stormcast oh, yeah. were not present except for. <gasps> I was to bring
4: now when I
2: forgot. Yeah, we all
1: agree he got reforged, right? Like, yeah, lightning bolt came down and took her brother up as he like that was that was crazy town. And what what's yeah. cool is like nobody knows what's going on because it's still in the yep. age of age yep. of chaos. So like nobody knows that the the uh, stormcast are being. Man. and i was trying to look
0: back at that he's
1: like he's an undead skeleton right and he's fighting and that happens yeah yeah it's yeah, crazy he's, he's already backwards. dead like mm, man
2: he's mm. a relic and i love the idea that like she picks up yeah. his sword like later on and it's still charged with energy and she's so like wow yeah. ah. like yeah, yeah. she.
0: that's not a bad call, yeah. call because again he comes from a tribe of of necromancers right Yep. he's a you know He's not necessarily, you know, uh, anyone we've heard of before. But uh, if he if he had that necromantic skill when he was alive, it's a possibility
2: to be a relictor. What's his face from Hammers of Sigmar? Like he's he's from death, isn't he? Like, yeah. Um,
1: did yep. did he have what's your last name? It's von something. Von Drek. Yeah. Jack. What's yeah. Uh, I mean? I'm talking. I'm talking about uh, the the relictor from Hammers of Sigmar. What he's got a last Ionis' Cryptborn is.
4: Uh-oh,
2: oh, man, we don't need to draw Uh-oh. this out. Oh, going to be a real
4: good
0: spoiler. Hey, man. hey, hey, audience, look it up and look it up and put it in yeah. the comments and tell yeah, us. It. Guys, guys, shut up. Ianid <laughs> <laughs> Vendensed. Vendensed, okay. I don't even care. Totally it's, so it, it's not Drac, but yeah. uh, it's probably from, it could be from the that whole group. Yeah. You never so. know. Anyway. And with All right. and with. That. All right. It is time for our reforging. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Comment below. Leave a review for us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Davey, where can we find you on Twitter?
1: At Red underscore Zeke. How often? <laughs> uh, Sorry. Wait,
2: wait. that's not part of the script. <laughs> the where one? can we find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, a at bowler, B-O-H-L-E-R, or A-B-O-H-L-E-R. Paul?
3: At PJ Shard, P-J-S-C-H-A-R-D.
0: And in Chicago, uh, waiting for outside the Renaissance Inn until a Hotel until Akon starts next year.
3: Yeah,
4: getting a gin and tonic in the hotel bar over and over, <laughs> and over and over again. And
0: you can find me at Stone Monk Gamer on Twitter. Um, thank you for watching the show, and we'll see you next time. Deuces.